It's showtime. Okay, Tokyo, South America, Australia, France, Germany, UK, Africa. Here we go. Head on with Bob Kincaid. Three hours of conversation, cussing and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. And here we go, off and running on this 19th day of December 2023. This is The Horn. Head on .live is where you'll find us on the interweb tubes. That's where you go if you'd like to be part of the merry, wacky, zany, real-time, madcap, multimedia extravaganza that is The Horn chat room. the three hours in which this program is live, Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, all time zones in between, and the great globe round, well, whatever time it is when you're listening to the podcast. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Thanks for listening live. Thanks for being part of this amazing little community. Almost 20 years in the making. Thank you so much. If you are listening live, feel free to pop by the, uh, well, Mary Wacky's any real-time madcap multimedia extravaganza. It is the Horn Chat Room. Yes. And you'll be greeted by Squeaky and Theo, who are there early uh, and uh, cap- capably moderated by... Horn Chief Agronomist, Chief Mathematician, Bud Trimmer Emeritus, and Zimmergist Extraordinaire, Roger in Oregon, hey gang, uh, let's see, Anatole, Squeaky, and Theo, hey y'all, yeah, and I'm sure more will be arriving presently, and if you are new to the chat room, uh, you will be welcomed most joyfully, or if you haven't been around, you know, whatever, just pop on by. If you're listening to the podcast, please... Whatever platform you're on, be it Apple Podcasts or uh, Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y, one of our new podcast platforms, or iHeartRadio or Spotify or uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, please like each episode. It builds visibility for the program because, after all, we're not a little social club. We're looking to build some community here. And uh, leave a comment. Uh, especially, you know, I don't know if the prog- if something in the program particularly strikes you, leave a comment uh, on the episode so people can know that it it, it uh, touched someone, you, you know, right? But every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude, and this program is no different. Aha! Okay, I didn't know that. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa, providing a little bit of context. Odyssey is the old intercom, E-N-T-E-R-C-O-M, out of uh, Pennsylvania. Thank you. But, 
You can get the program just about on any podcasting platform. Uh, but thanks go out. Thanks go out to our nineteenth um, day of the month subscribers, and that means thank you to Darlene in Connecticut. Thank you as well to Michael. And thank you to Don in British Columbia. Thank you all for being partial sponsors of the program. So uh, let's see. Yep, fourteen fifty is the is the fundraising goal. That means we're trying to get uh, today and yesterday funded, then last Friday and last Thursday funded, and then Wednesday we need to fund uh, two hundred and fifty dollars of that. It's $50 funded. And I know, I do, I do, I do, the, the uh, holiday seasons are hard. Hell, it's hard running. It's it's always hard. This little independent effort in broadcasting, one of the oldest progressive podcasts going, frankly, um, it has always been a struggle. Because... Jingles notwithstanding, we're not selling baloney here, or baloneos, wave radios, or hustling buy gold now schemes. Y'all are the amazing part of all of this. You're the ones who have made this community and have made friends across the country and around the globe. So, whatever we can do to knock some of that out would be quite helpful, because it's, among other things, propane season. And, you know, propane never goes down from year to year. It always only goes up. And that's just how we're supplementing uh, supplementing the heat here. And, God, we needed to supplement the heat. Uh, probably after the program, I'm going to put up some photos on social media. Today we got our first snow. Two days ahead of winter, the New River Gorge got its first dusting in snow, and though it was brutally, I woke up this morning in my bedroom and I could see my breath. Um, When you were a kid, if you're of a certain age, do you remember flannel boards? have little letters and numbers and shapes cut out in, in, in flannel and the board itself was flannel like the like the bays of a poker table or the car or, or the carpet of a pool table and the, the little pieces of flannel little letters numbers and shapes would stick to the other one yeah that's kind of what happens when you have a flannel nighty or a fleece nighty and uh, fleece pajama bottoms and you get kind of stuck to your covers. <laughs> it's like some sort of textile spider web or something. But yeah, it's cold. But I did go out today because um, it was the first. It was the first big. It was the first respectable snow. And it's always, I don't know, dramatic, amazing, inspiring to see. The uh, glory of the second oldest river on earth and 
gorge carved by nothing but the forces of water out of the local sandstone, just slightly younger than the river. covered in a frosting of snow. Something about looking down into 350 million years of geologic process, of geohistory, and a little railroad bridge at the bottom of the gorge, and a town long since drowned by the creation of a dam where in 1894 my grandfather was born. Yeah, blows my mind. Oh, and bless Annette's heart, she brought me a hot, hot steaming cup of decaf for which I am ever so grateful. No hate on the decaf. Stop it. You don't want to hear me under the influence of caffeine. It's not pretty. But it is uh, Titanic Tuesday on the horn. A day when we take note of manifestations of titanic right-wing or authoritarian attempts at intellect. and uh, What, the big story of the day is that uh, Justice Sandra Day O'Connor had her, uh, her memorial service in the National Cathedral in Washington today. And President Biden showed up and said nice things about her, even though she screwed America. You know, by giving us dim leader. Right. Um, well, nil nisi bonum, so you know, that's as far as I can go. Although, I gotta admit, it grossed me out to see uh, to see Fappy Thomas in attendance. They made a point of showing the back of his balding head. With Jinsurrectionist seated right next to him. And I've been wondering lately. I don't think he's got the grace and dignity and decency to recuse himself from any of the cases having to do with the various crimes as allegedly committed by Nitwit Nero. But perhaps I'm less sanguine than others. I saw, I think it was Joyce Vance, who wrote that uh, things are so bad for Fappy that he may see no other recourse than to bail out of the Supreme Court appeals regarding Trump. And it got me thinking, because there was another story out recently talking about how he said, I might have to resign from the court because the pay here is so shitty. No, really, he did. And so the big donors stepped up. You know, people like Har Har Crow, who bought a chunk of him, you know, a timeshare. Because, remember, Fappy Thomas is the human timeshare. But it did. It got me thinking. I wonder 
if uh, I wonder if Fappy knows who cons- co-conspirator number six is. You think? I mean, is it that kind of a community? Can a member of the Supreme Court just say, oh, call up, um, say, the trial court judge overseeing the grand jury and say, hey, it's Fappy just sitting here picking the pubes off my my can of Coca-Cola and watching some Long Dong Silver movies and John Holmes and whatnot. Kind of wondering who co-conspirator number six is. That wouldn't be my wife, would it? I wonder if he wonders. There's a lot of wondering going on, Matt in San Francisco. I wonder if Clarence took the mobile home to the funeral. I mean, why not? He's so in your face about his bribe taken. Yeah. Had a little, I don't know, maybe had a little, little it's probably cold in D.C., just like it is here. Had a little, maybe had, had his little uh, uh, hibachi out and going. Or may, Heck, he's well off enough. He's probably got a full-on uh, um, Weber... Uh, Weber kettle grill. It's a bit much to take a big green egg around. Yeah, because he's... You're right, Matt, because he's just a regular fap who uh, likes to hang with regular folks and take regular private jets on regular vacations to regular isolated beaches in Indonesia. Yeah, right. Shameless, Matt. I think the word you're looking for is he's so shameless. And uh, Wave, by the ocean, says, Anybody who would bespoil the sanctity of a can of Coca-Cola with pubic hair has no integrity. And I'm a Pepsi drinker. Well, we'll we'll love you just the same, Wave, even if you are a Pepsi drinker. Somebody's got to drink that stuff. Oh, God, now the great Pepsi controversy will begin. I like Pepsi. What's wrong? And you know what I like in my Pepsi? A little miracle whip. Ah. Um. Oh, let's see. A, a message is being. Uh, please define FAP, says Arnold in PA. Well, we, ref- we refer to him as Clarence Pubes on the Coke can Fappy Thomas. You know, come on, Arnold, you live in the world. Fap, 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 fap. We used to call him Slappy, but it's just a colloquial term. The Urban Dictionary probably has, uh, you're just trying to get me to drag the program into the gutter early in the, in, in the process, aren't you? Aren't you, Arnold? I know how it is with you. You people. <laughs> Copy, says Arnold. Good. Roger that. So we had uh, we had that bit of news, the uh, memorial service of Sandra Day O'Connor. Um, oh, uh, Fappy Thomas, Leah New York says things I do not expect from him: enjoying camping out in the Walmart parking lot, respect for ethics, respect for the Constitution, recusing himself. Telling his wife to be careful what she does, because it might look bad. Yeah, those are all things Fappy Thomas will never do. 
Emilio. What do you mean you're drinking decaf? Oh, spiders. I'm covered in spiders. They're everywhere. Oh, i got to clean the ceiling. It has some dust. I need to paint my, paint my car now. Is that your Roxanne on, on caffeine impression, Emilio? Oh, bless her heart. She even made it with the frothed milk for me. <clears throat> Again, lattes are just a conspiracy by Big Moo to get grown-ups to drink more milk. I mean, one, one, little, one little shot of espresso to a whole cup full of milk? Yeah, I see what's going on here. But, yeah, um... It wasn't just President Biden, uh, Chief Justice John Roberts eulogized uh, Sandra Day O'Connor, as did uh, her son Jay. Yeah, Biden was, President Biden was gracious and didn't say anything about the shitstorm that she unleashed on planet Earth by installing George W. Bush as president, because Republicans look out for Republicans before they even think about the country. She served 25 years on the court. And I got to say, um, her conservative replacement, Amy Covid Barrett, is a far cry from the kind of at least feisty woman that Sandra Day O'Connor was. Uh, there was never there was there was no there was never any rumor that uh, Sandra Day O'Connor had to ask her husband how to rule on a case. But we know that Amy Covid Barrett is, of course, a handmaid who must at all times be submissive to her hubby, her Christian, one man, one woman, God-sanctioned marriage hubby. Ew. How gross. But beyond that, this being... Titanic Tuesday, just a moment, just a moment out there in the wider civic life of the United States. Arnold having his cappuccino tail. Uh, this is the damnedest thing. I mean, you wish it was the damnedest thing, but it probably is not that unusual. It, the story comes out of St. Louis. Now, these are the facts as they are known. I have looked and looked, and I have not found a backgrounder on this. So it was about 12.30 this morning, Central Standard Time, in uh, the Carondelet, I presume it's Carondelet, and then again it's Missouri, so it might be Carondelet, 
uh, neighborhood of St. Louis. And in that neighborhood, there is a pub. The name of the pub is Bar, B-A-R, colon, P-M. I take that to mean it's a late-night establishment. Well, the, the bar is owned by a partnership of two guys. And one was upstairs, and the other was just tidying up and getting ready to clean up and shut down for the evening. When out of nowhere, assuming that the outside of the bar is nowhere, um, an SUV operated by the uh, St. Louis PD, yeah, one of those great big whomping gas guzzlers that the taxpayers uh, cover the fuel for, literally came barreling into Bar PM. See, there's a pun there. Bar PM, RPM. Creativity, right? And no hot pursuit. We don't know why, but they, the cop in the cruiser rammed the bar and drove through the front wall of it. And that's when one of the co-owners, Chad Morris, began doing what I suspect most any of us would do, swearing profusely at the cop for ramming his publicly owned cruiser through the front wall of the establishment. It wasn't a SWAT attack on the bar. It was apparently just a cop who, I don't know, lost control of his cruiser and rammed it into what just coincidentally happened to be an LGBTQ bar in that neighborhood. Well, the cop, apparently uninjured, arrested the guy who was the co-owner of the bar for being pissed off that the cop had rammed through the front wall of his bar. In the complaint for the arrest, the cop said that Chad Morris began to scream obscenities. Really? A cop has just driven his big old war wagon cruiser through the front of your establishment, and you're supposed to behave like it's the ladies' sewing circle and... Oh, well, pardon me, Constable. Might you tell me why you've decided to entirely destroy the front of my business enterprise, yeah? No, it probably was something more along the lines of, What the fuck do you think you're fucking doing, you fuckwit? That's a lot of F-bombs so early in the program, but you can understand why. And then... 
says the twee, dainty little cop. Morris struck me hard in the chest with an open hand, causing me to temporarily lose my balance. And then he tried to run away. And he closed a gate on, on, on an officer who was in pursuit. The guy who was doing absolutely nothing at about 12.30 this morning is now facing felony assault charges on an assault on an officer charges and misdemeanor resisting arrest. The other co-owner, James Pence, uh, talking to Riverfront Times today, said the police were uh, it was the police who came after bar staff and were aggressive. Indicated in not the least degree by the fact that they rammed their cruiser through the front of the bar. Co-owner Pence was upstairs, came downstairs when on when the altercation happened. The entire building shook, he said. And when he got downstairs, there was a cop there saying, Show me your ID! And Pence said, Like hell I will. They spun him around and put him in cuffs. And his partner, Chad Morris, was actually videoing the crash scene. And that's when... That's when the uh, three cops went after him. It doesn't quite jibe uh, with what the cops charged. James, uh, James Pence said he raised his arm and they said he hit them. And then local, uh, the uh, 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 local black-robed hooligan, Judge Rochelle M. Woody, Woodlist, Woodiest, Woodiest said that uh, he should be held without bond. There's, there's, there's something about all of this. I mean, there's a photo. You can see where they crashed the car into the... And for the life of me, I can't find anything about um, why they did it. I guess if you're a cop, you can just ram your ram your police cruiser into a gay bar at 12:30 in the morning. Were they trying to get there before the karaoke shut down? Or before the pretty drag queens uh, went back into the went, went back into the dressing room. Don't know. Cops gonna cop. But see, they move into damage control. I wonder if anybody breath- breathalyzed the cop, or took a blood urine sample to find out if he was shwasted. Because even in a country with some pretty outrageous cop behavior, 
That's really outrageous cop behavior. But they move into damage control mode. Because sometimes the best defense is a good offense. And so you you storm in there and you start roughing up uh, roughing up the, uh, the 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 ownership because otherwise there's going to be one great big whopping ass insurance claim. But now, instead of a great big whopping ass insurance claim, the proprietor is instead going to spend his time battling against a felony rap. which, if you think about it, would probably be sufficient to keep him from owning a bar, which might in turn cause the LGBTQ bar in that neighborhood to shut down. Hmm. Steve in New York, cops ramming the gay bar, ramming for Jesus! And, and it's, it's, it's the straights and the cis who are always saying, why do they have to ram it down our throats? Well, here we are. Uh, hi, Ken. <laughs> Ken in Northwest PA. I dislike both. Actually, I dislike all sodas or pops or soda pops. Horrible with Miracle Whip, I would imagine. Well, thank God we put that one to bed. Ah, Emilio and Lee are still out there. We're not going to get away from this this easily. So, you know, just, well, like they used to say on Hill Street Blues, y'all be careful out there. You never know when you're going to be just sitting there sipping on a cocktail or a beer. Or a glass of wine from a box. Or a seltzer. Hard seltzer. Or maybe just a glass of club soda. And your local municipality's very finest come careening through the front of the establishment. I guess it's fortunate that the, the place was not packed because there would be dead people now. Ugh. Cops. Ah, okay. That cowbell is for Randy Radar. Gives a whole new meaning to a Dodge Ram. Ah. Ramming speed. Okay, so that story, that's just dumb, and it just seems appropriate to Titanic Tuesday. I bet I know how those cops vote. Tough day yesterday for uh, Mark Meadows. A three-judge panel of the uh, 11th United States Circuit Court of Appeals ruled yesterday that uh, neither Mark Meadows nor other federal officials were entitled to have criminal cases heard in federal court. And then adding insult to injury said even if they were, that the charges against Mark Meadows personally have nothing to do oh this stings have nothing to do with his official responsibilities so his case will stay right there in Fulton County and be prosecuted by Fonnie Willis 
And if they ruled that way in regard to Mark Meadows, who said that he was only doing it because it was in the course and scope of his duties to nitwit Nero, it's a safe bet. that Nitwit Nero's case is going nowhere either. Oh, there's our problem. Had a device sitting on the... Sitting on the space bar. I can't love this enough. It's a case of, come on, let's you and him fight. Nitwit Nero has gone after the proud son of Dribbling Dick Texas. I'm talking about Chip Roy. Uh... Julius Geezer went on his rattle-trap-falling-apart social media site, Tripe Social, and posted a tripe and called Chip Roy a runt. He's a rhino, a Republican in name only. And then because he is, in fact, a super genius, he's got a very big brain, a very, very big brain. Mama told me that... She used to say to me when I was sitting there on the potty when I was nine years old, Who's a big boy? Who doesn't potty his pants now that he's nine now? Who's who's mama's big boy? A smart boy. Look at the smart brain he's got. Well, Nitwit Nero called for someone, some maggot, to primary Chip Roy. Um, the uh, funny thing is, uh, his... His call for primarying Chip Roy came after the filing deadline for the Texas primary had closed on December 11th. It's a very big brain. It's like a steel trap. He's mad at Chip Roy of Syphilis Springs, Texas. Because Chip Roy endorsed... Uh, Florida Governor Monkey Up Go-Go Boots. And oblivious to fa the fact that the filing deadline had already passed, uh, Grandpa Dementia said, Has any smart and energetic Republican in the great state of Texas decided to run in the primary against Rhino Congressman Chip Roy? For the right person, he's very beatable. If interested, let me know. And oddly enough, some Texas Republicans were like, what? With people saying that Trump thinks only of himself and others saying that Roy sadly turned to a returned rhino a couple of years ago. You might recall, what was it, um, last month? When Chip Roy said, 
Y'all tell me anything. What? You tell me anything, I can go home and campaign on and say that this Republican majority is done in this Congress. Anything. Y'all tell me. One thing. I want my Republican colleagues to give me one thing, one, that I can go campaign on and say we did. One. Explain to me one material, meaningful, significant thing the Republican majority has done besides, well, I guess it's not as bad as the Democrats. Gee, I hope it doesn't hurt too little. Uh, true enough. Stop it, Robin. Says Lee in New York. We all know that Nitwit Nero does not care about election laws. I'll just declare. I, I will just declare that I will challenge Chip Roy, and then I'll be president, and I'll also represent Dribbling Dick, Texas. It shouldn't be this easy to mock people like this, but they they practically make it impossible not to. Uh, Kevin, I've already talked to Steve about that, and as soon as he has a tracking number, he will share it with me, and I will share it with you. Kevin is eagerly awaiting his chocolate goodies. And I can understand why. It's a good nine-year-old. So Emilio says uh, Trump doesn't have shit for brains. I think it's more like uh, he does. He really, really does. And beyond being mad at uh, Chip Roy... Apparently, Nitwit Nero is now going to war with Rafaelito Eduardo Cruz, the anointed booger-eaten future king of America. Now, bear in mind that Rafaelito has humiliated himself, abased himself, uh, belly-crawled on the floor in front of his god-emperor, his orange god emperor. Attacking Raffaelito today, he said, The Ron, Ron DeSanctimonious team of misfits and grifters has largely quit his campaign to go into greener pastures. The grass is always greener over the septic tank. Thanks, Irma Bombeck. It's been a terrible experience for them as they've watched their candidate fall violently from the sky like a wounded bird. Jeff Rowe, his chief strategist and head of his pack, always backed down after having done major surgery on Ron's wallet. Couldn't get out of town fast enough. I have a feeling Steve Chung was doing this. Now Jeff can spend full time in Texas working with Ted Cruz, formerly known as Lion Ted, who's working hard to get back to magic they had together in 2016. Wow, a little homoerotic slur there, too. Get, bring back the magic. Oh. He's such a clever boy. He is a clever, clever boy. There's a day coming, y'all. 
when having spoken. Tangerine Tiberius will speak no more. And it, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a hard day. Don't know when, don't know how. But it's gonna result in a whole lot of a whole a whole lot of people who host talk programs finding a lot more material. There will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth and sitting in sackcloth and ashes. Oh, we have a seventh grade slap fight going on now. Again, because it is Titanic Tuesday. <sighs> Leon Scum is apparently aggrieved by the fact that he got absolutely chopped to chutney by John Oliver in the final. Uh, the final show of this season of last week tonight. I mean, it was a brutal takedown. It was, it was, I would say... One of the most brutal takedowns that uh, he's ever done. And, you know, with good reason. And God, it was funny. Let's just take a little... A little taste once the ad clears. main story tonight. This is our final show of the year, so we thought we'd focus on someone who's had a pretty big 12 months. Elon Musk. A man who can pull off pretty much any bad guy in a movie look. There's a Lex Luthor posing for the cover of Metropolis Maniacs Monthly. There's Why No Mr. Bond, I and My Child's Bride Expect You to Die. There's I Just Bought Your Media Company and I'm About to Strip You for Parts. There's Space's First Racist Sheriff. And finally, the less fuckable reimagining of Billy Zane's character in Titanic. Truly, the man has range. Elon has made news all year, from test launching the most powerful rocket ever built, to just this week having to recall two million cars due to safety concerns. He even challenged Mark Zuckerberg to a cage fight, to which Zuckerberg replied, send me location. And may I suggest to both of them, interior volcano. And then, of course, there is Twitter. He now calls it X, but the rest of us still call it Twitter. 
He officially acquired it 12 months ago, and since then it has been one fiasco after another, with the most recent coming when he tweeted his agreement with this anti-Semitic post, calling the great replacement theory the actual truth. That caused many big advertisers to flee. And then in the midst of denying any anti-Semitic intent, Elon decided to taunt the sponsors who had left. Don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go fuck yourself. (laughs) Go fuck yourself. Is that clear? I hope it is. Wow. It is hard to say what's most embarrassing there. The fact that the world's richest man is playing the you're not breaking up with me, I'm breaking up with you card. Or that he's doing it to confuse silence while wearing a jacket from Ralph Lauren's midlife crisis collection. (laughs) He's clearly going for bad boy there, but ended up looking more like red pill chip from Rescue Rangers. (laughs) Now, that clip actually made the rounds, but for my money, this exchange a few seconds later is even better. No, actually, what what this advertising boycott is uh, is, going to do, it's going to kill the company. And you think that the company... And the whole world will know that those advertisers killed the company. And we will document it in great detail. But there are, those advertisers, I imagine, are going to say, they're going to say, we didn't kill the company. Oh, yeah? They're going to say... Tell it to, tell it to Earth. Let's see how Earth responds to that. Yeah, tell it to Earth. And I honestly hope he does that. I hope he tries telling every living creature on the planet, including those weird deep sea fish, all about how advertiser boycotts are going to kill Twitter. Just so one of them can open its objectively horrifying jaws and say, yeah, man, because you said that weird shit about juice. We live in a black void and even we understand the order of operations here. And look, I could talk for hours about what Elon has done to Twitter. Many in the media do, because it's where they spend most of their work days. But the truth is, it's not the most important thing Elon is in charge of. It's arguably not even the most important social networking site. We all know the only social media app that matters these days is the comment section of Venmo. That (laughs) is where the real drama is. What Musk's time at Twitter has definitely changed is how many people perceive him. Because for a long time, he was seen as a -a one-of-a-kind genius who'd save humanity and was described as a real-life Iron Man. It's a comparison that he even welcomed cameoing as himself in Iron Man 2, although I never really liked those comparisons. As far as I'm concerned, the only real-life Iron Man is Troy Hercheby, who spent his entire life designing a suit of armour that could withstand a grizzly bear attack and was kind enough to film the tests. Are you ready, Troy? I'm ready. Here it comes. Yes. In that particular scenario, the role of the grizzly bear was played by a very large log suspended by chains swung from a tree. How? Now, what makes this all quite funny is the fact that Leon Scum responded by saying, And I want to make sure I get this right, because it's a quote. Leon Scum said, uh, Uh, Oliver was great several years ago, but stopped being funny when he sold his soul to wokeness, where humor is basically illegal. I guess he didn't see the clip. He didn't hear what you heard. 
a live audience guffawing at every takedown of this toxic, derpy Batman villain who happens to manufacture dick rockets that blow up before they get very far off the ground. And our space program is in his charge. Oh, I don't hold out a lot of hope for the American space program. Do you? He sold his soul to wokeness, where humor is basically illegal. Sorry, my South African accent just sucks. It would have been so much nicer if he'd been Australian. And so he's moved into the I'm going to sue everybody phase of his life. He's suing Media Matters for America over reporting that Media Matters did and in which the ancient legal maxim, American legal maxim, it doesn't hold so much, it doesn't hold any water in, uh, in the UK, but the ancient American legal maxim that truth is an absolute defense is going to be an absolute defense for Media Matters. I, I was talking with Annette the other day, and I said, listen, um, this is not going to end well for Leon Scum. He's going to wind up, he's going to wind up in his Howard Hughes phase in a locked hotel room in Vegas, surrounded by old peanut butter jars full of pee-pee. That's worth a $5 bet with uh, you know, a bookie somewhere in London. They'd probably take that bet. Um, Flavio points out, Oliver's brutal takedown of psychopath Elon Musk, everything he said was true, but the most disturbing thing about the takedown is the U.S. government depending on his Starlink and other companies. So this psychopath, whose allegiance to this country is at the very least suspect, has as supplicant the U.S. government. And notice how lightly the Biden administration treads when criticizing Musk. That, that is supremely alarming. It is. I mean, that's why I said uh, NASA may be fucked. Or we may be in the position of having to hope that Jeff Bezos saves our space program from the clutches of... Uh, what, what did he call it? Uh, Lex Luthor on the cover of uh, Metropolis Maniacs Monthly. Lee in New York said, is it me? He turns his head back and forth like a ventriloquist dummy. Well, you got the dummy part right. Just more... More dumbassery for a Titanic Tuesday. And then there's Representative Nicole Maliotakis of New York, a member of the House, who was interviewed on CNN and was asked about the uh, about uh, her orange god emperors poisoning the blood of America statement 
Uh, she didn't go too well either. It's a rough. It's been a rough couple of days for the maggots. Thank you very much. And joining me now is Republican Congresswoman from New York, Nicole Maliotakis. Uh, Congresswoman, thank you so much for joining us. Look, I'll start off by simply asking, is Trump right that immigrants are poisoning the blood of this country? Well, I don't think that's what he was saying. When he said they are poisoning, I think he was talking about the Democratic policies. I th- um, that, went off the, that went off the rails in a hurry. Because that is specifically not what he said. I think he was talking about the open border policy. And if you look at what my mayor, our mayor, there's no open border policy. This migrant crisis is destroying New York City. I think it's pretty much the same thing. What we're trying to say here is that we need to have secure borders. You know, what's actually poisoning uh, America is the amount of fentanyl that's coming over our open border. And so this is a really serious issue. And I think that that's what he's uh, talking about, that the open borders are unsafe, that it's unsustainable, well, and, it's, and it's bankrupting cities like ours. And we need to address it. Congresswoman, you're saying that's what you think he's saying. But he was pretty clear. He was saying that the immigrants who are coming in, he says they're they're poisoning yes. the blood of the nation. He says never said immigrants they're doing are poisoning, it. though. He's talking about people I, coming I, I honestly think it was being we just played yeah. it. Yeah, and he said he didn't say the words the immigrants. I think he was talking about the democratic policies. He was talking poisons. about people, okay. Well, look, not I, I don't. He was talking about people. Look, I, I know that some are trying to make it seem like President Trump is is anti-immigrant. The reality is he was married to immigrants. He's hired immigrants. I mean, he's not. He's, it's it's. He's, he was he talking wants, about people yeah. coming across the border. He was yeah, saying coming that over the border. They, mm-hmm. He was saying that they were uh, that they were. Uh, they were bringing crime. They were bringing, you know, violence with them when they came true. into the country. That's true. They, so, well, you agree that he's talking about immigrants. Well, no, but, but the thing is, is that our open borders is unsafe and unsustainable. We know that the drug cartels are bringing in and setting up operations se- selling fentanyl and other drugs to the point where over 100,000 Americans have uh, died. We know that there is crime taking place. And that's not to say that all immigrants are bad. My parents are immigrants. I represent a community full of immigrants. But what I will tell you from the immigrants that I know is that they're very upset by the lack of order that we're seeing at the and, border. And look, I, you've talked, uh, we've talked to you actually about mm-hmm. your um, background, uh, your immigrant history. I have immigrant history sure. too. So we share we that. <laughs> exactly. We all do. But let's talk for a second here about the fact that Trump continuously, repeatedly mm-hmm. uses this rhetoric that now maybe you could say the first time he didn't know the the references, the parallels mm-hmm. to authoritarians. He knows now. Why does he keep saying it over and over again? Well, look, I, I just think he's trying to bring attention to the issue. He's using and the I, rhetoric and I would of authoritarians say, look, to I, bring attention I mean, to this that's, issue. I, I think what the important thing is we need to pay attention to this issue. I mean, look, let's admit what's going on here in this country. We have drug cartels that are running our southern border. We have the women and children, by the way, who are coming over the border. How many of them are being raped along the dirt journey? Borders, Doctors Without Borders even put out a report saying between Colombia and Panama, there were 400 children and women that they treated who are being raped. Every single person coming over that border is paying the drug cartels thousands of dollars to get here. What are they doing with that money? They are, in turn, selling drugs the, the drug cartels, right, are setting up operations here. We know the gangs are here. We know this is all happening. You talk to the Drug Enforcement Administration. Yeah. If you talk to law enforcement, ISIS. it's happening. I, so, I mean, let's let's differentiate between... The triad! The tongue! 
Oh, Jesus. I, I would like to associate myself with the remarks of Arnold and P.A. The word salad is fucking ridiculous. I hear everywhere the border is wide open. And the thing is, it's not. It's just not. Between legal immigration and illegal immigration and admit that these this open border is a major problem for this country and it's unsustainable. It's costing I, our, our taxpayers hundreds of, of billions of dollars a year here in New York City, we're going bankrupt with a city, the cities across the board. I don't di- look, I don't disagree with what yeah. you're saying about the policy, and I think that's actually really. But that's what we have to focus well, on. I, I mean, I, I, we may differ. Um, yeah. Look, I think it's really important, the policy that you're talking about. I think you would agree that that is probably what people, lawmakers like you want to focus on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trump is using the rhetoric yeah. of Hitler and Mussolini to make a point about people coming across the border illegally. Don't you think that's a bit of a distraction? I I disagree. I disagree with what you're saying. I just fundamentally disagree. I think what he was saying is that the democratic policies, the policies of this administration that have allowed millions of people, including, remember, we caught people on the terror watch list. That should be concerning to us in New York City in a post 9-11 world. I mean, we, we, we have to be serious about what's going on. And you have 1.7 million people who are completely unaccounted for. And the policies, by the way, of this president, I would argue, of President Biden, are the ones that are anti-immigrant. Let me explain why. We have people who are waiting years in line. They've come the right way. They did everything right. They applied. They've been waiting for years to get an asylum date or whatever. And, and they're being cut now by these individuals that have paid the drug cartels to come over the southern border. They're prioritizing this administration. The people who have come over the southern border ahead of the people who have been waiting for you. And and I, I know, know this because and I, I casework in my I know office where I'm dealing with this regularly. I've done a lot of work on that. I want to ask mm-hmm. you about something else that... Oh, it just goes on and on and on, the word salad. They're poisoning the blood of our country. And you know, it really doesn't matter... If they're poisoning the blood of our country refers to the Biden administration or to actual immigrants, because he went on to say, you know, they, they, they come from Asia, they come from Africa, they come from all over. It's the concept of poisoned blood, because the concept of poisoned blood goes to a belief in racial purity. And racial purity is the hallmark of fascism. Please. And uh, Abby Phillip, the anchor who was dealing with this mishmash of madness, uh, did the best she could. And uh, Representative Maliotakis was just dealing in those uh, alternative facts which we were introduced to at the beginning of the first term of Tangerine Tiberius.
I mean, you'd think this was World War Z with hordes just pouring across the border into Texas and New Mexico, Arizona, and California. The only places that are pissing and moaning is basically Texas. That tells you that we've got a, that, that this is political and not actually grounded in anything vaguely resembling reality. But she'll get a she'll get a favorable tripe, I guess, out of this. And then, uh, well, uh, uh, TPUSA, Toilet Paper USA, hosted by uh, the boy with the largest head in the world, Charlie Kirk. Um, they had him. They had him a conference, a get together, America Fest. See how it kind of. Plays off the idea of America first, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, well, as we have discussed in the past, there's a pretty good grift to be had if you are, if you if you want to occupy the space of a black conservative but it comes at a price and so a guy named Rob Smith who identifies as a gay black conservative was shocked shocked I tell you to find out that he walked into the America Fest and was immediately accosted by the kinds of people you would expect to see at America Fest. Over on, he, he posted a shit over on Shitter and said, Last night in Phoenix, I was confronted and surrounded by some white supremacists that don't like gays or blacks in the Republican Party. They shouted nigger and faggot at me to make their point. However, I served in Iraq. I never backed down, ever, and posted him some video. There's a line from Blazing Saddles where Gene Wilder says to Cleavon Little, what did you expect? 
welcome, son. Marry our daughters. It was funny in Blazing Saddles. Tom Arnold, of all people, responded to the to the post and said, a gay black man walks into a white supremacist convention and is shocked to see white supremacists. I hope your grift is worth it, buddy. Uh, then there's... <laughs> this is funny. There's Christina Peshaw, the spokes creep for Ron Monkey Up DeClantis, the guy who only became governor of Florida the first time, with the help of real live, no kidding, Nazis, who said... This is embarrassing behavior. All I can say is their gutter trash talk gets rewarded online, and some of them are delusional enough to think they can act the same in real life. Those are your boss's biggest fans, Christina. Pshaw. Yeah, first they chanted gay sex, gay sex, gay sex. And frankly, uh, a bunch of twee little white white wingers in blue blazers and rep ties and khakis chanting gay sex sounds much more like a, oh, I don't know, like a wish. <laughs> Than a condemnation? I'm sorry about those two hateful words. They are who they are. Uh, what's that, Darlene? Darlene says, uh, Your South African sounds like a cross between Arnold Schwarzenegger and Henry Kissinger. Well, I mean, it's in spirit, right? Please. You're absolutely right, Darlene. Um, Lee in New York. Maliotaka stupidity. She said that the blood ruining our country is democratic policies crossing the border. Sarcastically, the democratic policies for Mexico are sneaking into the country. Those policies are not being stopped. The fentanyl is hiding between the pages of the policy. Signed, Lee, regrettably, in New York City. Oh, please just tell me she's not your Congress critter. Uh, illegal immigrant panic. Lee adds, don't forget that border state, Florida, governor the lack of sanity, puts them on planes to solve the problem. Yeah. Bruga Bruga border. Christopher writes Cons slayed the golden goose who laid the golden eggs for them election after election. Row. They now need to beat their new dead horse to death, the border. Schumer should dust off that uh, that old copy of the border bill the Gang of Eight put together a decade or so ago. Oh, look at you with your big primate brain. Is it perfect? Hell no. It's a compromise where both parties go off harumphing, but at the same time can claim some victory? Yes. 
bundle it up with the Ukraine-Israel-Taiwan funds, give that to Mullah Mike and tell him to sign it, and Joe will sign it the very next day. Christopher, I, I, I know you probably enjoy your work now, but you've got a real future in political consulting. And uh, Flavio says, uh, not NASA. That's the least problematic with regard to Leon Scum. I mentioned Starlink. Remember when he cut off satellite communication in Ukraine at Putin's behest? So now Mu Musk is in charge of U.S. foreign policy. Uh, do you remember at the time, Flavio, I said that he should be deported? Because foreign policy is solely the province of the executive branch of which he is not a member? And so we are into the second hour of the program. Uh, that means, um, well, I'll fill a robstered for an hour and ten minutes or so now. Our fundraising goal is $1,450. That's just $50 short of entirely a week behind in fundraising. Uh, any help is great help. Uh, $250 gets us done funded with last Wednesday. Um, and then we can start on these other four days. So if anybody would like to help, the PayPal button is at headon.live. The Patreon button or, is, or, or link is under the con Contribute tab. That's also where you'll find the mailing address for U.S. Postal Service delivery. And checks and money orders, please make payable to Robin, R-O-B-Y-N, Kincaid, K-I-N-C-A-I-D. Uh, as yeah, we're just changing some banking stuff. No, says Lee in New York, Maliotakis does not represent me. I have a representative with a brain, meaning a Democrat. Good, you had me scared for a minute there. Oh, and uh, remember the former candidate for political office who beheaded a statue of Baphomet at the Iowa State Capitol because you got to let all religions put up their holiday decorations or else none of them can? Yeah, um... Michael Cassidy is from Mississippi, Stan. He's not even an Iowegian. He also showed up at that racist, white supremacist, uh, homophobic rally, uh, America Fest. And, oh, the little, the little Nazis just cheered. Oh, and did you notice, did you notice how the little creeps in, in the clip, previous clip, objected so strenuously when he, when, uh, uh dude said, Hey, Nick Fuentes likes gay sex. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. This is the same Nick Fuentes who said it's gay to have sex, for a guy to have sex with a woman. So, I mean, I don't know. And so, now that he's got his 15 minutes of fame... What? 
Brother Deacon Asa, who is just really mm, banging on all eight cylinders today. I agree with Darla. Oh, Darlene, forgive him, for he knows not what he does. Your Floris Sheepers Kincaid leaves a lot to be desired. Better stick with Cousin Dimitri Kincaid. And don't forget about Crocodile Kincaid. You're playing with dynamite. I'm telling you, Brother Deacon. There's a murder hornet out there with your name on it. Uh, going uh, Blood poisoning. Flavio says, It is said the German poet uh, René Maria Rilke died of blood poisoning contracting tetanus from the prick of the thorn of a rose. Any other talk of blood poisoning is fascism. Yes, it's called sepsis. It is when infection enters the blood and runs systemic. Isn't that just... No, that's just romantic as hell, isn't it? No, no, there's nothing nothing romantic about blood poisoning. Tetanus from the prick of the thorn of a rose. Wait, tetanus is on rose thorns? Is that an eight, an, a 19th century thing? Anybody want to help? Oh, dear. Now I'm afraid of roses. And Randy Radar says, you'll note that it's nearly always called the southern border instead of undocumented immigration because the repeated right-wing propaganda. Well, I mean, yeah, well, I mean the fentanyls and the, and the gang members and the ISIS and the, and, and the Hamas and the MS-13s and the caravan. Oh, we must be about a year out from an election, mustn't we? Uh, Elon Musk correction this from Billable Rick. You guys don't let me get away with anything. You made a mistake by saying that Elon Musk's dick rockets blow up shortly after they're launched. Elon's rockets actually undergo, undergo a rapid, uncontrolled disassembly just after being launched. We regret the error. I'll make a note of it. Well, now, breaking news from Billable Rick. You heard it here first, maybe. Quarter past six, Eastern Standard Time, on the 19th day of December, 2023. Justices in the Colorado Supreme Court have just barred Nitwit Nero from the 2024 ballot in that state. Billable says, we'll see if this case somehow gets to the U.S. Supreme Court. Oh, it'll get there in a, it'll, it'll get there in a running hurry. And apparently Nitwit Nero hasn't gotten the news yet because the last thing I just got from him was an endorsement of Bernie Moreno, a businessman from Ohio. The type of maggot fighter we need in the United States Senate. Bernie will always stand up to the fascist nut jobs and the spineless rhinos in order to fight the corrupt deep states destroying our country. Uh, this is the... This is the uh, fascist grifter who will uh, who who seeks to take on Sherrod Brown. He's a radical left liberal who will always let you down. He does not stand for Ohio values and never will. Bernie Moreno and the other will always put America first. <sighs> Bernie is the father of wonderful Emily, 
the wife of outstanding young Ohio congressman Max Miller. Bernie is strong on the border, crime, cutting taxes, election integrity, the military vets, and will always protect our under siege Second Amendment. Wait, the Second Amendment's under siege? Isn't that... Sp- is that the feminist agenda, the gay agenda, the trans agenda? I'm not getting. I'm not getting that in the memo. I mean, I hate missing a good siege. Damn it. Well, back to Mike Cassidy, beheader of statues. Like I said, he got his. 15 minutes of fame and the little the little fascists and the Cheeto dusted basement boys at America Fest oh they loved them some Mike Cassidy what was it like when you walked into the Iowa State Capitol and you saw before you at Christmas time that statue and that altar it was an abomination um, I was surprised. There's almost nobody. There's one man in there. I would have thought that there would have been, you know, a politician to yell at to say, hey, man, take this down, uh, security guard or something. But there is nobody there. It was just that evil statue that was there to influence families, to influence children. One of the bits of hate mail that I got actually after. That evil statue. Evil statue. Never mind that it's all a mockery. That Satanists don't believe in Satan. The Satanists do uh, follow reason, common sense, mercy, justice, free speech, freedom in generally. Yeah. It's influencing children. Oh, it's always the children, isn't it? Until it's time to actually provide money to take care of children. and They're poor kids, so, you know, fuck them. They can pull themselves up by their own bootstraps, right? This was from an Iowa father. And he told me that he was mad at me for doing what I did because he could not show his daughter the satanic icon at the state capitol. How far has our nation fallen? It's fallen. If that is the kind of mentality that we have from people, from men and women in our country today. Men and women who no longer follow a bloodthirsty Bronze Age book of fables and fairy tales about a sky daddy who orders entire ethnicities to be erased from the earth. And that's another thing that I want to come from this, is for people to wake up, for us to wake up to understand that there is evil in the world. The devil is real, and we can't ignore him. The Satanists, they may think it's a game. They may think it's just a big joke to, you know, trigger us. But the devil's real, and we have to be wary of him. The devil is real. Well, maybe. And maybe he's six foot three and 215 pounds and kind of orange instead of red. Remember, red and yellow make orange. And 
He did dodge the draft, so we've got the yellow part down. Yeah, well, you know, if they think it's a joke to trigger the white wingers, they're right, because uh, the Satanists in Iowa are not facing felony charges, but eh, Mike Cassidy is. And, of course, if he's busted, and he should be, then he might be facing some jail time, but on any way you slice it, he will, of course, grift the living bejesus out of it. And probably make a small fortune. Right. Wouldn't be Titanic Tuesday without some remarks from uh, the coach, Senator Coach, the pride of the Arkansas public education system, Tommy the Tuber. He sat down for an interview with Eric Michael Garcia of The Independent. And... Naturally, the conversation turned to Tommy's orange god emperor. And it turns out the coach is mad. Michael Garcia asked him about the poisoning the blood remarks that his god emperor made. And Tommy the tuber said... Well, I'm mad he wasn't tougher than that, because if you're seeing what happens at the border, we're being overrun. So apparently Tommy the Tuber is at odds with uh, Representative Mariotakis. Maliotakis? Whatever. Uh, who said he wasn't talking about immigrants? Well, uh, uh, Tommy Tubaguts thinks otherwise. Now, um, Politico then reached out to, oh dear God, my junior senator, soon about to be my senior senator, uh, Shelley Moore Arch in a bad wig capito. She looks like she looks so much like her creepy criminal daddy. I'm surprised she's not carrying around a brown paper sack with a bunch of money in it. But then again, maybe she learned at daddy's knee and learned not to do that. She said, "Not the smartest, not the smartest, uh, sharpest spoon in the toaster, by far." Shelley Moore. Uh, Politico asked her about the uh, about. Uh, um, the blood poisoning comment. I obviously don't agree with that. I mean, we're all children of immigrants. Tom Tillis in North Carolina said, that was some unhelpful rhetoric. From down Mississippi Stanway, Roger Wicker said, well, I certainly wouldn't have said that out loud. Uh, no, 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 I'm, I'm not, no, he didn't say that. He said, uh, I certainly wouldn't have said that about immigrants. I never say the quiet part out loud. Well, I'm, I'm from Mississippi. We have coded language down here. And if Nitwit Nero cares to come down here, we'll teach him how to say things like that. So won't nobody but the folks we want to know know what it is he's talking about. I didn't say any of that either. He just said, uh, 
I certainly wouldn't have said that. But whether it's Thom Tillis or Shelley Moore marching a bad wig Capito or, uh, or Roger Wicker, and God knows not Tommy the Tuber, none of them said that Nitwit Nero should apologize for what a disgusting display of the most repugnant and vile formed uh, vile forms of, of fascism and straight up Nazism that we've had in a while and that's saying something because we got a lot of it going on and it is Nicole Maliotakis not Mario Takis uh, we've heard the clip of her getting uh, fact checked that's the gentlest way to put it um. Well, she's uh, getting uh, Nicole is uh, she's getting raked over the Nicole's ha. by uh, Steve Bennon, who's a producer at the Rachel Maddow Show. Steve Bennon wrote, Imagine being an elected member of Congress and thinking, maybe I can convince voters to believe that Trump meant democratic policies are pouring into our country. No, Trump said these people, despite the fact that Maliotakis said Trump has referred to democratic policies. He never said immigrants are poisoning, though, according to Maliotakis. He didn't say the word immigrants. I think he was talking about democratic policies. Right. And rushing to the aid of Abby Phillip at CNN, he said, uh, uh, let's also not forget that on Saturday night, Trump used his social media platform to argue, illegal immigration is poisoning the blood of our nation. And then Bennon, who, who, who writes very well, accused Nicole Maliotakis of trying to gaslight a national television audience. If I were a member of Congress and my party's likely presidential nominee started using Hitler, Hitler-like rhetoric about immigrants, I'd struggle to think of a defense, too. If the best GOP officials can come up with is, I think he was talking about democratic policies, the party should just concede that it has no defense at all. So she's getting her 15 minutes of fame. Yeah, Tommy the Tuber said he was mad at Trump for not going far enough. That's right, Flavia. Lee in New York says Tommy should be less focused on people crossing the border. He did not seem devoted to getting players to the end zone. Ah. Uh-huh. And we are at the halfway point of the program. And we are still a goose egg. But let's see what kind of detail is out there. Uh, 
headline from CNN Politics, Colorado Supreme Court removes Trump from 2024 ballot based on the 14th Amendment's insurrectionist ban. It was a 4-3 to three ruling. Uh, it's on hold pending appeal until January 4th. Here's the thing. The Colorado ballot has to be finalized by, what was the last number we saw? January 5th. That deadline is established by statute for placing candidates on the GOP primary ballot. So uh, CNN has some of the findings. Uh, there's no link to the actual opinion, but uh, in its decision, the court said Colorado state law allows voters to challenge Trump's eligibility under the federal constitution's insurrectionist ban. Colorado courts can enforce the ban without any action from Congress. The insurrectionist ban applies to the presidency. The January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol was, in fact, an insurrection, and Trump engaged in the insurrection. And finally, his speech inciting the crowd on January 6 was not protected speech by the First Amendment. Yes! That last one may be the most important finding. We have finally found some unprotected speech as it should have been all along the Washington Post has further coverage Patrick Marley reporting the decision is certain to be appealed to the US Supreme Court but it will be up to the justices to decide whether to take the case Uh, from the decision, a majority of the court holds that President Trump is disqualified from holding the office of president under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution. That's an even deeper dive. Because he is disqualified, it would be a wrongful act under the election code for the Colorado Secretary of State to list him as a candidate on the presidential primary ballot. Uh, The uh, post then goes into a little historic digression as to how that portion of the 14th Amendment happened. This, of course, comes with the backdrop of Michigan and Minnesota uh, declining to remove his name, Nitwit Nero's name, from the primary ballot. The Colorado case is the only one that has really had any kind of sticking power. And I think the analysis is solid. The question is, do you want somebody else running against Orange Genius? or somebody else running against Biden in place of Orange Genius. Uh, 
It's a tough call. Oh, and back to Nicole Maliotakis, a note from Brendan. Maliotakis' district covers areas of planet Staten Island and Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. I lived in Bay Ridge for several years. One late-night cab ride home from work in Manhattan, the driver and I talked over how much we both hated Reagan. Excitedly, he asked me why I lived in Bay Ridge, as I probably had no one to talk to there. Lower rent, I explained. He told me that he grew up there and left years before and never goes there unless he has no choice. He said, in the 1964 Lyndon Johnson landslide presidential election, Barry Goldwater only carried two districts in the whole country, his home district in Arizona and Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. He wished me luck. Peace, lady. Brendan. Thank you, Brendan. I love those little moments of, of, of detail that flesh out uh, greater generalities. Planet Staten Island is worthy. It is as if it were... I, you know, okay, bottom line, you could take Staten Island and move it physically, part and parcel, entirely, and set it down off the coast of Alabama or Mississippi or Florida, and I doubt if any of the residents would actually notice they might even be happier. I wonder if whoever the Tin Pan Alley uh, genius was who wrote I'll Take Manhattan, the Bronx, and Staten Island too, given an opportunity to reflect on, 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 on those words, might excise Staten Island from uh, the list. I'll take Manhattan, the Bronx, Queens and Brooklyn, too. See, it still works without Staten Island. Now, procedurally, just because this is the kind of nerd girl I am, procedurally, the question is... Uh, Okay, the the ruling is the ruling is stayed to January the fourth. That gives Nitwit Nero's pettifoggers a chance to gin up, and boy, is this thing going to look like a real a real dog's breakfast? A uh, petition for certiorari to the Supreme Court of the United States. Which, if the Supreme Court of the United, our most puissant, dread sovereign, Supreme Catholic Majesties, uh, if they have any integrity at all, they're going to have to go lickety-split to have a vote on whether or not to accept the petition. Because cases can rise to the Supreme Court from the Supreme Court of a state. Most cases rise to the Supreme Court via the United States Courts of Appeals, but not all of them. And so there will have to be a vote, and a majority will have to decide whether or not to hear this case and issue a decision 
if they have any regard for state statutes, by January the 5th. This is another one of those moments when we do some day counting. We have right now 11, 15 days. The Supreme Court cannot decide whether to, whether pineapple des- deserves to be on pizza in 15 days. But the bottom line is that a majority of the court will have to agree with the ca- with taking the case. And this brings in what I said earlier about Clarence Pubes on the Coke can, Fappy Thomas, and his ginsurrectionist wife. If he participates in the case, it will be a disgusting flaunting of any sort of ethical rules, given the fact that ginsurrectionist was actively involved in trying to overturn the 2020 election. And it will bring more scrutiny upon him. And he still doesn't know if Ginsurrectionist is co-conspirator number six. Now, if we know who co-conspirator number six is, and I just happen to miss it somewhere along the way, do please tell me. But even if it's not Ginsurrectionist, she is still implicated in what, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, and Arizona? Although she's unindicted by Fonnie Willis. But if you take um, if you take 9 minus 1 is 8 and then you're going to you're going to have to make an entirely different kind of majority to hear the case but again that is just to hear the case at least according to the people who know the law of the state of Colorado the case must be decided by January the 5th. Who we I'm going to have to I'm going to have to go to bed early so I can be up the minute that uh, my filthy morning habit comes on air because there will be conniptions being had. And it'll probably be some of the same sort of questions that I've been asking here. Um Wow, okay, thank you, Lou, in PA, has, um, serving as the Horn, Colorado Supreme Court Ad Hoc Research Department, has found the uh, has found the opinion of the court. Lordy, the amicus curiae alone are like the Bayou Tapestry. Uh, there's a lengthy discussion of 
uh, the 14th Amendment. It's 213 pages long, Lou tells me. The sum of these parts, they write in paragraph 5, is this. President Trump is disqualified from holding the office of president under Section 3 because he is disqualified. It would be a wrongful act under the election code for the secretary to list him as a candidate on the presidential primary ballot. We do not reach these conclusions lightly. We are mindful of the magnitude and weight of the questions now before us. We are likewise mindful of our solemn duty to apply the law without fear or favor and without being swayed by public reaction to the decisions that the law mandates we reach. We are also cognizant that we travel in uncharted territory and that this case presents several issues of first impression. But for our resolution of the elector's challenge under the election code, the secretary would be required to include President Trump's name, I wish they would quit calling him President Trump, on the 2024 presidential primary ballot. Therefore, aha, here's their out, to maintain the status quo pending any review by the U.S. Supreme Court, we stay our ruling until January 4th, 2024, the day before the Secretary's deadline, to certify the content of the presidential primary ballot. If review is sought in the Supreme Court before the stay expires on January 4th, 2024, then the stay shall remain in place, and the Secretary will continue to be required to include President Trump's name on the 2024 presidential primary ballot until the receipt of any order or mandate from the Supreme Court. Huh. That's an interesting little piece of jurisprudential legerdemain. So the order will be stayed if the Supreme Court accepts the case and he'll go on and be on the primary ballot pending outcome of the Supreme Court's consideration of it, which gives them then until when? The Republican National Convention? The thing is, from what I can tell by just briefly scanning this opinion, it's pretty exhaustive. In terms of its uh, uh, of its provision of facts upon which they base their ruling. In his speech, which began around noon, President Trump persisted in rejecting the election results, telling his supporters, We won in a landslide, and we will never concede. He urged his supporters to confront this egregious assault on our democracy, walk down to the Capitol, show strength, and that if they did not fight like hell, they would not have a country anymore. Before his speech ended, portions of the crowd began moving toward the Capitol. Below, we discuss additional facts regarding the events of January 6th as relevant to the legal issues before us. And it, the procedural history has gone through in exhausting detail. 
so it may be that they don't have to move quite as fast as I had I had thought, but they can't twiddle their thumbs. And if they're engaging in real politic, their best decision may be to let the decision stand and not take the case. That way it's just Colorado. But then that leaves Minnesota and, what, Michigan up in the air? Oh, this is interesting indeed. Anybody want to talk about it? You're welcome to. Uh, All the lines are open. The stress line, of course, is 844-843-4676. Skype comes in at Robin, R-O-B-Y-N, Kincaidhorn, K-I-N-C-A-I-D-H-O-R-N. And, of course, you can also just buy a regular telephone number, 304-574-8178. And each and every one of those will get you into the program. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Jessica, up in the greater Rochester Metropolitan Co-Prosperity Sphere. Jessica says, I'll sink Manhattan by They Might Be Giants is a better song. And thank you to Jessica for uh, making this not a goose egg Tuesday. We are now down to $1,445 to go with our fundraising goal. Jessica, thank you so much. That's so sweet and so kind. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Jessica said, in observance of my 47th birthday last Thursday, the 15th, and my 37th anniversary in the World's greatest hobby model railroading a day earlier on the 14th. Go Team Sagittarius! When does Capricorn kick in? Because Capricorn's kicking in pretty soon, because Berg is a Capricorn. Um, Not Lou, especially given who got sent to her dirt nap today her billions of years dirt nap. We all live for a short little speck of time and we spend the rest of the time on this planet being dead. Whew! It's a long time before the sun burns out and then before the universe collapses in on itself and we get a new big bang and all of our star stuff gets scattered all over the Expanding universe again. Lather, rinse, repeat on a universal scale. Now, Lou asks, how long did it take the Supremes to decide the Bush v. Gore decision in Florida? About a month and a half, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Well, that is still a romantic account of uh, Rilke. Flavio tells me Rilke died of leukemia in a sanatorium in Switzerland. He chose as his own epitaph this poem, Rose o reine Widerspruch 
Lust, nimander Schlaf zu sein und so viel Lidem. Rose, O oh pure contradiction, desire to be no one's sleep beneath so many lids. A myth developed surrounding his death in Rose as it was set to honor a visitor, the Egyptian beauty Nimet Eloy Bey. Rilke gathered some roses from his garden. While doing so, he pricked his hand on a thorn. The small wound failed to heal, grew rapidly worse, and soon his entire arm was swollen and his other arm became affected as well, and so he died. Probably just a case of really terrible timing. Back to Manhattan, the Bronx, and Staten Island. Lee says, Manhattan is a popular song and part of the great American songbook. It's been performed by the Supremes, Lee Wiley, Oscar Peterson, Blossom Deary, Tony Martin, Dinah Washington, Ella Fitzgerald, and Mel Torme, among many others. It's often known as We'll Have Manhattan, based on the opening line. The music was written by Richard Rogers and the lyrics by Lawrence Hart. Of course it's Rogers and Hart. For the 1925 review, Garrick Gaieties, that was introduced by Sterling Holloway, later the voice of the animated Winnie the Pooh, and June Cochran. Hmm. And it's been parodied a, mil a million different ways. Uh, Johnny Hart's BC uh, was used for an animation for a PSA for the Peace Corps back in, what, the 70s, where one of his cavemen walks up to a Peace Corps rock and says, I'll take Manhattan. And the guy behind the Peace Corps de desk says, ironically, prophetically, You'll take Afghanistan, meaning the Peace Corps doesn't go to fun places. Well, thank you, Ralphs. Ralphs said, I'll add to Jessica's contribution. Thank you so much, Ralphs. But like I said, this is Conversation Radio, so, so if somebody wants to chime in. We had a great conversation last night, uh, Todd and me, and then Todd and me and Tracy. Uh, Mike in Cascadia wrote in and said uh, he'd been away for a little while, but tuning into yesterday's program, yesterday's podcast, felt a lot like coming home. Welcome home, Mike. Welcome home. Good to hear from you. So very good. Uh, need a cowbell for the Supremes, Arnold says. Okay. There we go. Arnold added, I was born on Staten Island. The way they're treating immigrants now is disgraceful considering it's an island full of fucking immigrants. Whites ran the Indians off Staten Island and the other boroughs hundreds, uh, hundreds, hundreds of years ago. Yeah, I, never, I will never forget a wonderful book. Um, our buddy Gary in New York sent it along. The Island at the center of the world which is just a fascinating history of the settlement colonization of uh, Manhattan Island, Long Island Brooklyn Bronx Jersey goes into detail of how the Swedes tried to colonize what became Delaware for God's sakes everybody wanted to steal some land in the <clears throat> new world well, new to them. Not new to the people who've been here for 20 plus thousand, thousand years. No, no, not at all. So at any rate, it is Tuesday. Um, 
Oh, Lou. <laughs> it never ends between him and Kevin. Maybe you can post the link to the case and uh, on the uh, webpage so listeners can read it and comment. Albeit 213 pages is a lot for most non-Pennsylvanians and non-West Virginians to digest in three or four minutes. Maybe discuss tomorrow. And then adding in brackets, it'll take Coloradans months to even think about getting around to read it. I want you to know that you're, you, 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 just got, you just got sideways not only with Kevin, but with our pal Reverbo, too, and uh, a few other members of the Horn Family Community Congregation, Kevin. It, right. Still, that was, in fact, a quality shot across the bow. It's Tuesday, though, and that means we have the Green News Report. So, um, well, in the midst of this drama, what better time to check in with uh, Brad and Desi and see what those wacky kids are up to. It's Thursday, December 14, 2023. We have delivered a paradigm shift that has the potential to redefine our economies. At COP28 Climate Talks, nations strike historic agreement to transition away from fossil fuels. Plus, there's a saying that what happens in the Arctic does not stay in the Arctic. Dramatic changes underway at the top of the world thanks to climate change. Thanks, climate change. All of those stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and... Snarky comment. If I become president, we would certainly not get back into the Paris Climate Agreement. And that's why the fossil fueled Coke Network loves you, Nikki Haley. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, we didn't know if it would happen. We didn't know if they'd be able to strike an agreement, but they finally have. At the United Nations Climate Summit in Dubai. Yep, but first, more news. A bracing backdrop to the UN Climate Summit, the new Arctic Report Card, published by NOAA scientists this week, confirms that the Arctic is warming roughly four times faster than the rest of the planet due to human-caused climate change caused by burning fossil fuels. This past summer was the warmest in the Arctic since at least 1900, in turn increasing sea level rise, all Altering global weather patterns and wildlife migration and intensifying disasters across the region, like flooding in Alaska and the record wildfire season in Canada. The scientists warn the Arctic is an early indicator of what the rest of the globe can expect as the planet warms. Now, you say since 1900. Is that because that's as far back as the records go or was it this warm back in 1900? That's as far back as the records go. That's what I thought. But the really big news, at COP28, the U.N. Climate Summit negotiations held this year in Dubai, governments of the world agreed for the first time to explicitly transition away from fossil fuels, the primary driver of global warming. Well, that ain't nothing. After nearly 30 years of international climate negotiations, in the closing weeks of the hottest year ever recorded, it really is the first time that ditching coal oil and fossil gas has been codified in international climate negotiations. And the first time they even mention the word 
Fossil fuels? Yes. Known as the first global stock take, the text only calls to end the use of fossil fuels in energy production, not industrial processes, and is not the phase down or phase out of fossil fuels urged by scientists and a majority of countries. Instead, it offers several options, including transitioning away from fossil fuels to achieve net zero by 2050. It includes provisions that critics say give the fossil fuel industry numerous options to continue polluting, such as relying on unproven technologies like carbon capture and storage. Options, like a menu. The deal in Dubai does include concrete commitments to triple renewable energy globally, double energy efficiency, slash emissions of powerful climate warming methane, and accelerate efforts to phase down coal power with targets to cut greenhouse gas emissions by 43 percent by 2030. COP28 President Sultan Al-Jaber, himself an oil industry CEO, said the deal's success will be in implementation. We must take the steps necessary to turn this agreement into tangible actions. Delegates from the Alliance of Small Island States, which are countries that have contributed little to global warming but are grappling with rising seas and devastating storms, criticized the deal as weak with, quote, a litany of loopholes that does not cut greenhouse gas emissions fast enough to limit global heating to 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. Oh, yeah, we're blowing past that target. And it doesn't go nearly far enough to address the costs of global warming to developing nations. COP28 did achieve a decades-long goal of operationalizing a loss and damage fund for industrialized countries to provide funding to developing nations struggling with climate disasters, but there is not a requirement for richer countries to help poorer ones with the upfront cost of transitioning their economies to clean energy. The COP28 text lays the groundwork for next year's negotiations when countries are due to ratchet up their commitments for cutting greenhouse gas emissions. United Nations Climate Secretary Simon Steele called the mixed results a turning point that is both historic and insufficient. This agreement is an ambitious floor, not a ceiling. So the crucial years ahead must keep ramping up ambition and climate action. Steele said the agreement sends a powerful signal to policymakers, business and investors that the world is united in the goal to break away from fossil fuels. Meh, sort of. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks, Mastodons and sites still known as Twitter at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. You know, I always wondered if REM's end of the world as we know it was kind of a an homage to a previous novelty song. Uh, what was it, uh, Life is a Rock, but the radio rolled me. It had that same kind of list quality to it. Oh, let's see. That was last Thursday's Green News Report. Darndest thing. 
Well, maybe we'll get two today. I don't know. But not right now. Thanks, Randy Radar. You never, you never miss a trick. We all know, um, and by the way, we've entered the third hour of the program. Um, best not to wait till the last ten minutes of the program to say, oh, I want to talk. Uh, it's not a forever hold your peace kind of thing, but if you want to, jump right in. We all know that bullying in schools is a significant problem. And it's not just bullying in schools. It's bullying in generally, in general. Social media plays a huge part in bullying because back in the pre-social media, pre-internet world, no matter how bad some horrid little monster made you feel in school, and I dare say a bunch of us went through that, there was always home. And you could get away uh, get away from it. That's not true anymore. Unless parents pretty actively monitor their kids' social media consumption, and frankly, there are a lot who don't. Kids can be hounded 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And it has had horrifying consequences. Children, too many of them. One would be too many, but it's far more than one. Have killed themselves. A lot of kids who engage in self-harm do so because they are bullied with homophobic and transphobic slurs. That's why LGBTQ kids have such shocking and heartbreakingly high rates of suicidal ideation. What to do about cyberbullying Is, is is a topic that has caused a great deal of consternation in this country. Because parents and, and, and educators and various grown-ups either understand or don't That if you just if they just go off on social media, you can't go on your snappy chatty Discord Instagram thingy anymore. Well, just drive them to it. 
forbidden fruit. Same thing with the puritanical attitudes of the United of, of people in the United States. Of now, don't you ever have sex until you're married? And kids maybe not weren't even thinking about sex. It was like sex? I'm not supposed to have it until I'm married. Well, I got to have it yesterday, or drugs, or booze, or learning to deal a profitable hand of three card Monty. It's in the na- it's in the nature of childhood and adolescence. Well, thank heaven. We finally it's Titanic Tuesday, y'all, just a reminder. Thank heaven. We finally have a cogent, coherent, clear eyed well-thought-out solution to online bullying. And naturally, it came from that brain trust known as America Fest. And it almost goes without saying that among the attendees of America Fest... Well, it wouldn't have been an America Fest if they hadn't had the man who looks like rancid hot dog water smells. That's right, racist Bannon. Run, Bandit, run. Stevie Three Shirts himself, indicted on two counts of contempt of Congress, convicted on those two counts of contempt of Congress, and still walking around free because of the Horrifying decision made by a maggot judge. Yes. But Steve Bannon knows how to deal with bullying in schools. A million of them in private positions. We should get kids off social media and start t- teaching them the proper use of guns, how to yes. defend themselves, yes. their own self-defense. Should we not right. make that an integrated part of the uh, of the education so they're not picked on or not uh, or not threatened and then for, certainly not scared, right? You're right. Of all the days for me to be sitting back here without a swirly straw and a bottle of Mexican gasoline. Ah, uh, let's see. Um, what were the names of the... Uh, oh, Dylan Klebold was one. You know, Colorado, mid-90s. Bombs, murder, trench coat mafia. Later came out that... Those kids were bullied. Uh, and, and, and a whole bunch of school shooters were, to one extent or another, tormented in school. Uh, Adam Lanza and Mother Lanza, the hoarder. kid who shot up Uvalde, little asshole who shot up, what was it, Highland Park, Illinois, in their 4th of July, uh, July uh, parade, 
on and on and on and on. They knew how to use their guns, didn't they? They knew how to use them pretty darn well. A little incel who shot up the school in Uvalde. Uh, knew how to use it so well that he held grown-ass cops at bay who stood shivering and shitting themselves while the little asshole murdered fourth graders. I wonder, and, and now this is just a little bit of a background on the clip we heard. Uh, uh, Stevie Three Shirts and whoever the dweeb was standing with him with a microphone uh, were there hosting a blab fest. They were not on the stage. They were not part of the speakers, I guess. They were just trying to get people around them. It worked up. So when, when, when do you start teaching? I mean, can you teach, can you teach a fourth grader? Because, I mean, Uvalde was fourth graders, right? Can you teach a fourth grader how to operate a, I mean, they're fourth graders, so probably wouldn't want to go much more powerful than a 380 semi-automatic. Then again, an AR-15 is only a twenty, basically a twenty-two caliber bullet with a whopping big load of powder behind it. Huh? When do you when do you when do you teach them? I mean, I'm assuming kindergarten's out. But then again, we're talking about some genuine gun humpers. First grade? I'm not not entirely. I mean, I know what my experience was a million years ago. Kindergarten, first grade. You know, you're working on some basic language skills, some basic math skills. I don't know if a kindergartner is quite ready to learn how to field strip a semi-automatic weapon, or for that matter, to even clean a wheel gun. Now, we do know, because of the hard work of the National Rifle Association, that three-year-olds can use weapons, firearms. I I remember, for instance, down in Kentucky, the uh, four-year-old little boy who blew away his uh, one-year-old little sister, something, yeah, or the toddler who reached into his mommy's purse uh, the day after Christmas at Wally World in Idaho one year and pulled out her freedom protector and blew his mommy away. Now, there's a lot of these cases out there. 
So yeah, maybe Bannon's on to something here. Kids can be taught how to use firearms, but I think I think in the cases of the three-year-olds and the four-year-olds, it's like cheating, though, because, well, those, those kids were just picking up a firearm that was already loaded and ready to go to defend freedom. Wolverines, right? Blam. But when you're talking about true self-defense here, a la the man who looks like rancid hot dog water smells, you're going to, I get the sense that he's talking about true, you know, military-style firearms handling. Or maybe, maybe I'm just being entirely unreasonable here. Maybe what we want to do is teach the, oh, eighth graders to protect the fourth graders and the thirds and the seconds and the firsts and the kindergartners. But you run into you run into a problem there too, because it's when kids get up around middle school, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, depending on how any given state defines it, that's when the hormones really start doing their hormone thing. And that's when kids can become a bit of an emotional mess. An emotional wreck. And I don't necessarily know that you'd want to have semi-automatic weapons in those kids' hands. You know, these these hard-working ponderers of big thoughts, they've only got the best for the kids in mind. What about the children? Wait, we heard that earlier, didn't we? Because if they can operate a firearm that way, they won't be picked on or threatened, and certainly they won't be scared, right? And the maggots gathered all around them, clapped and waved and cheered. Because after a couple of long days of sucking on the of sucking on the maggot Kool-Aid, just about anything can make sense. Because as, as Ralphs points out, uh, recoil is an issue. I mean, a, 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 a child could really hurt themselves uh, with the recoil from even a, oh, a 22 caliber pistol. And leave a nasty mark if it whacks you in the noggin. I've seen it do that to some grown-ups. I haven't fired a firearm since uh, transition. And I don't know if the amount of muscle mass I've lost is uh, going to play a role in that. But at least they're and right-wingers, whether it be Joe Rogaine or Lobster Daddy Jordan Peterson or any of the, the uh, Stephen Chowder, uh, any of those uh, guys, 
if they're not good at anything else, by God, they're fantastic at jacking off. You know, just asking questions. The only thing is, all the questions they ask always wind up being really stupid right-wing questions. And they say this shit with a straight face. Wow. But because they said it there at America Fest, I mean, what, what constant? What, what what does the snack table look like at America Fest? Is it just bowl after bowl after bowl in echelon of freshly dumped out mayonnaise? Are 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 there? Well, I mean, he is the man who looks like rancid hot dog water smells. Are there at least some rancid dirty water dogs there for the ravenous hordes of Kool-Aid swillers? But now that it's been whispered into the ear of the universe, you can you can be guaranteed that maybe somewhere in Florida or Texas, or Alabama, or Tennessee, some some school board member, maybe a member of Moms for Liberty, will suggest that every student needs a gun. You know, there, there used to be a time when it was parody on the Malloy show. By the way, uh, Tara Devlin and I, Tara of Tara Buster, will be filling in for Mike as he and Molly head off to Christmas. Uh, we'll be filling in for Mike tomorrow evening, Thursday evening and Friday evening. So that means Friday evening will be the uh, big uh, Christmas edition every year. I know people look forward to hearing, as do I, Oh Holy Nightmare, and Tara and I will get to play it this year. I don't know if I'll be able to maintain my composure. Uh, Matt in San Francisco with a note. Start him young. I think shortly after a child begins to walk, if they can stand on two feet, then they have the obligation to take up arms. This is America, after all. If you can wander away from your mama, you need to be able to protect yourself. Yeah, places like uh, places like Florida and West Virginia that have permitless concealed carry bills. I guess they're going to have to spend some legislative time fixing that, aren't they, Matt? Sometimes it just makes my little eyeballs roll back in my head. Not in a good way. Oh, 
Uh, let's uh, let's run over to the stress line. See who we've got. Hey, welcome to the program. Uh, hey, Robin, can you hear me all right? Alan, is that you? It is I. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear from you. Long time since I spoke with you. It's been a while. Yeah. What? Approaching ten years. I, I don't know. I was wondering if you knew exactly when you were in Waco, but it, I wouldn't be surprised if it's if it's ten years. I think it's a long time. I, I think it's pretty close. <laughs> yeah. I've still I've still got the newspaper yeah. clipping. Oh, do you really? I really do. Well, I um, I have retired in the in the interim here, and uh, most of my energy is spent working uh, doing climate. Uh, activism. Um, that's my, you know, main interest uh, at this point. In, and, te- um, in Texas, you're doing the work of the angels. <laughs> yeah, I, they, they most people in Waco consider me a, a, a devil. I would suppose, really, instead of an angel. But um, you know, that's Waco is really the the uh, heart of the beast right here. You know. Um, Bush's, I don't know if you remember, but his ranch was about 20 miles from Waco, and and people loved him. So it's a very conservative area, and there's oh, yeah. a lot of climate deniers. Oh, yes, here. and, uh, of course, the place where uh, the baptism of Aqua Buddha took place is not far from Waco either. <laughs> if you recall, right. Rand, Rand Paul, That's the Bavarian right. ophthalmologist. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Um, you know, I one I wanted to call about the uh, autopilot issue. You know, on, on on cars. I know one evening you had talked about it, and I don't know if anybody has addressed it because I'm not able to watch every every night. You know, but I have been driving EVs for almost seven years now, so I do have some you know experience with it. Right. And I drove a yeah, Chevy Bolt first because it was one of the it was the earliest uh, affordable, relatively affordable long range EVs, and then I'm I now I have a Tesla Model Three and a Tesla Model Y, and uh, I drive the Y and my uh, girlfriend drives the Model Three. But um, what I wanted to say was, you know, you were talking about you know being able to. Uh, you know, take a nap or a totally, you know, car, you know, be in control. We're really not at that stage right now. And the, I know around Tesla, the, the terminology is confusing. Um, because Tesla uses the term full self driving, which, you know, would imply what you, what you were saying that, you know, they could, the, 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 um, computer, the car could, you know, totally take over. But that term is more like aspirational. It's not really the reality right now. So, but what the Teslas do have is the, the basic system is called autopilot, and it's more of an assist to the driver. But I use it every day, and it's very fantastic, and it it increases the level of safety of the cars. I have no doubt about that. Um, one of the most useful features is what they call uh, lane centering, 
So if I'm on the highway, like let's say driving from here to Austin, um, you put it, you know, you engage that feature and it will keep the car in the lane, you know, perfectly. And it's, it's very relaxing. You know, if you haven't experienced it, it's hard to imagine, but, um, it really is helpful, but, um, it requires you to slightly turn the steering wheel every like 40 seconds. So in other words, the car requires you to still be, you know, be engaged. And if you don't do that, the autopilot will, will actually cut off. Um, so I think it's very strict as far as, you know, what it allows the computer to do versus, you know, the, the human. But well, that's, that's actually quite interesting. Because right now it does require the, the, the person to still drive. There is, it, if, if any of these people that I think somebody was killed, you know, in a Tesla, they were not, didn't have their hands on the wheel. That is not acceptable by Tesla. See, they were breaking the rules when they did that. So that is not part of where Tesla is right now. So just kind of an overview of that. And uh, it's, inter- it's interesting that you bring, that, that makes a lot more sense, Alan, because I've had rentals. Uh, my car's a little too old to have it on there, but I've had, I've had, I've had rentals that, you know, are just regular gas engine cars that have lane assist. Uh, as long, as long as it's turned on, then if you start, uh-huh. if you start to veer into the next lane, it'll, it'll put, it'll put you back in your correct lane. Uh-huh. I mean, I've had Toyotas with that, Jeeps with that. So it sounds like that's, that's more along the lines of, of, of what's being described. Yes. That is, I think, what's called lane departure, a correction right. type of thing, or lane departure warning if you get drowsy. This is probably the next step above that where it actually keeps the car centered. You know, you, um, you, you have to lightly touch the wheel, but it is doing the centering of the car in the lane. Okay. Um, so if you go around a, a curve, say, you know, it still maintains you within the lane. And, you know, I only use it on, on highways. I wouldn't try to use it in the, like, downtown city or that kind of thing but um so but that feature is very helpful and the other thing that i've noticed that it reacts quicker than a human will one time a car um kind of went over into my lane and the car realized this sooner than i did and reacted you know so um i think it's 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 making the cars safer if they're you know if it's used properly, and uh, I think I, I think that's going to be the future. I don't think this is that's going to go away. Tesla's getting a lot of flack right now, I know, but my experience has been very positive, and I can tell you that if you dare to just take your hands off the wheel, like maybe some you know like crazy people have done, it will it will disengage the system, the autopilot system. So it won't even let you do that. Um, so, you know, just, just so you know that, um, you know, some of the criticism of Tesla, I think, is over, you know, is excessive just from personal experience of driving the, the, the cars. I think it's probably um, a lot. A lot of it at this so, point is, is driven with people's or driven by people's uh, dismay 
uh, with the behavior of Elon Musk. Yeah. It seems like he yeah. ver- he verges more yeah. he verges more toward the fascist right uh, with every passing day. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you're when you're sitting around hosting uh, people like Andrew Tate and um, you know various denizens of the hard right. You're kind. Of, you're kind of telling. You're telling a lot of people that uh, they're not your kind of people. I don't mean yours. I mean his. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Andrew. You know, Andrew Tate is under investigation for sex trafficking. But he sat down and and, yeah. and uh, it was it was funny. I don't have the clip in front of me, but uh, 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 Vivek Ramaswamy was on that same uh, tete a tete. <laughs> and, and I don't know if you saw the clip, but in the midst of it, he said, "All right, guys, I gotta go. I gotta pee." And then left his mic open, and the whole world heard him taking a whiz. And this guy is a thinks he's a contender for the Republican presidential nomination, but that's also oh wow, yeah, that's also the same uh, uh, Wake Ramaswamy who says that climate change is a, a giant conspiracy. He's apparently gone all in on Trump's. Uh, uh, Chinese hoax, and living living where you live, and me living where I live, I know that I know that I don't believe this is not some religion. I know that climate change is real. Yeah, right. Of course, and all the Republican candidates really, really frighten me. And I mean, there's many reasons to to fear another Trump term, but for me, the climate aspect will. You know that's where he affects the entire planet. You know he could he could destroy our democracy, but his climate actions could could damage the whole world. You know is the way I see it. And you know I want to say a, a comment a little bit about about Elon Musk. And I know I, I realize I've I've listened to your show some. You're very you know you're very down on Elon um, because he does. And I agree he does have these severe right you know fascist. Um, tendencies. And so for me, the question is, do we still give him credit for what he has done? You know, and, and I, I think I answer that yes. You know, if we look at people like, I mean, the founding fathers, they thought like they had slaves, right? right? We still, I think, credit them for forming a system and, you know, being some pretty bright, you know, people to, to write our constitution and all that. And so I think we, and, and I guess Lincoln had his faults too. So I think we give, or should give people some credit for what they have accomplished. And, and in Elon's case, um, I, I heard some comment about, you know, other people uh, did the work. He actually is very hands on. He's an engineer. You know, he, he's a trained engineer. And, um, I haven't read his, the entire new biography of him, but, you know, uh, excerpts from it and um you know some of his uh you know presentations of cars and so forth you know he is very very hands-on he makes a lot of decisions about what happens with the cars so you know he's a smart guy you know i mean i don't think i I don't think that i don't think there's any question about that you know the the innovations he has has come up with i guess he started what paypal and, and Tesla, and SpaceX, you know, the first private company to do, you know, to put rockets 
in space that, that NASA now is able to use as reusable uh, space you know, craft, you know, to get payloads in, into orbit and stuff. Nobody had done that before. And um, so the price of, of, of space, you know, work is, is gone down because of that. So he's, I'm just saying he's done some good stuff. And I do think that if Tesla hadn't appeared, you know, I don't know if we'd be where we are on, well, I know we wouldn't be where we are on EVs right now. I suppose we might get there eventually, but the appearance of Tesla really just inspired this whole, um, you know, revolution in transport. You know, um, I don't know. Maybe there were some. There were some EVs out already, but when Teslas appeared, they were so popular and they looked good, and you know, their performance and the function was great. The software, the interface, everything. People loved them, and. And after that, you know, Chevy and other uh, major car manufacturers, they felt threatened. And they are now on, you know, on course also to transition to EVs. So I think, and he and he says that he did it, he did this, you know, because he wanted to, um, you know, he was concerned about climate change. And he wanted to electrify transport. You know, I, I, guess, I, I believe him. I mean, certain doesn't. It doesn't really jive with some of his right wing, you know, buddies and stuff. But I, but I think he did. I think that was his innovation, or his, uh, sorry, his, um, his, uh, what was the word? You know, that's his. What kind of compelled him to to develop uh, Tesla? And I, so, you know, I, I, no, I think... I'm going to give him credit for what he has done. Okay, that's sure. that's where I'm coming from. I, you know, you you mentioned you mentioned the the founding fathers and the framers uh, within that context, Alan. And one of the things that I think about is, for instance, George Washington was celebrated for the quality of his beer. And he was celebrated for the feasting tables that he sat. But he never did any of that. His, uh, his, his celebrated beer... I mean, granted, he had knowledge and, and, and he did innovate as, an, as a horticulturalist. But when it came to beer, the person who brewed his celebrated beer was not free to leave his plantation. Mm. Uh, the same with the genius yeah. chefs and cooks who set those magnificent tables. Uh, I'm not a, 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 another, t- I'm not a fan, but. Jack Daniels Tennessee whiskey is probably the most iconic whiskey brand in the world, and I'm even including Scotland. They recently went all the way to the Supreme Court to protect their brand against a dog chew toy. The thing is, Jack, <laughs> Jack Daniel never distilled a single drop of whiskey. A black freedman did. Hmm. And his name was not mm. Jack Daniels, but Jack Daniels continues to be, well, Jack Daniels in his own time grew quite wealthy, I imagine, and that continues to be an iconic brand that is making a fortune, and not a single penny has ever gone to the descendants of the man who taught Jack Daniels how to distill whiskey. A black man. Mm. Wow. Um, Tesla 
uh, I remember I remember when Elon Musk released and made open source uh, some of the code because these you know the, these are not 1921 Model A's right they're very very advanced from a, a, com- a, a computer and programming perspective the fact that these recalls right. that are going out there's not a single car that's going to have to go into the garage it's all going to be done over the air you know the wireless right. wireless downloads um, firmware updates and the like but the fact of the matter is there are a number of people who say that his factories are hell holes for workers that Workers at Tesla are driven like barred mules, and insofar mm-hmm. as I am a, I am a, a, a an avowed and dedicated supporter of the right to organize and the National Labor Relations Act, and a firm believer, or perhaps knower, because I know people who are union and they know the value that being in a union provides for their homes and their families and their futures. I I, t- I tend to I tend to look to union shops for you know if I ever get to the point where I can even get into a hybrid it'll be a Ford or a Chevy uh, because I try to I, I try to I try to support I try to support union labor wherever I possibly can <clears throat> it's why I do more of my shopping at Kroger's than I do at Walmart because Kroger's is a union shop and I know people are making a living wage there and if I have to pay 50 cents more for a bag of popcorn, so be it. Somebody's got a retirement because of that 50 cents. So that's 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 right. that's all a part of my, feel, uh, my my feelings about this. And you know, there's a background there with Elon that that is personal to me. His rightward shift, Alan, began with the dissolution of his family. I guess his first family. Um, one of his wives left him, and they had a child together, and the child went with the mama. And the uh-huh. child later transitioned to be a girl, to the girl she always was. And it, oh, okay. and and in that moment, something broke because you know I, I remember the first time Elon. Uh, Hosted it maybe it was it the only time Saturday Night Live, and everybody was all oh let's see yeah because everybody was talked about the fact that he was neurodivergent and is neurodivergent. Um, so that prob but but you know being neurodivergent doesn't mean one is LGBTQ phobic. But Elon Musk most decidedly is. Because he was so abusive to his daughter that she not only changed her name so that there is no no apparent relationship between her and her father, but she also said that she wanted nothing to do with him, his money, or anything about him ever again for so so long as he or she lived. Now, something, some some horrible somethings have to have transpired. In order to make a child so thoroughly despise one of the parents who helped create them, and yeah. he de- and he despises yeah. her, 
and he despises his ex, and he despises his ex current ex's current partner, and he, at that point in time, is when he began posting a relentless stream of transphobic content on Twitter, and it also coincides with when he decided to buy Twitter, as well as his lurch to the right because he found common cause with the same sorts of people like Michael Knowles who say that I should be put up against a wall and shot. Hmm. And now for, uh, I mean, and as a climate activist, I know you know that this planet is wildly overpopulated. And for him to sit down with Jeff Bezos and they both agree that there aren't enough people on planet Earth yet? I saw that one the other day, and my eyeballs rolled back in my head. Now, I think there's uh, I, I think there's an argument to be made that there's probably enough food to go around for everybody on this planet to be fed, but we have a certain segment of the population that is consuming more of the resources than the vast majority of those who aren't. You know, as you know, climate change yeah. is not driven by people trying to stay, keep their heads, literally heads above water in the Maldives. It's driven by the United States, China, the EU, India. You know, the, 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 I think the fastest growing middle class is in India. And everybody, everybody wants a piece of a, of a, of a shrinking pie. So, uh, while uh, while while the EV revolution is a net positive, there are so many red. I'll just say it this way: for me, Elon Musk is more red flags than a May Day parade in Pyongyang. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so that's you know that's the reason if if I ever get to, I will look I will look to another provider. I mean, it bothers me tremendously. For instance, uh, there there are great EVs being produced by Hyundai, but I'm one of those weirdos who feels like consumer choices are moral choices, and I try to not put myself in moral quandaries. It's impossible as a as a consumer not to, you know. I think about. Um, I think about that quote that I have in my in my sig line for my email from Kurt Vonnegut. A normal person functioning well on the upper levels of a prosperous industrialized society can hardly hear his conscience at all. And you're not that way. I'm not that way. Most of the Horn Family Communication uh, Community Horn Family <laughs> Community Congregation are not that way. But sooner or later, you're going to get you're going to get co-opted into some stuff you don't want to do. But like I was talking about Hyundai, a lot of their stuff is made in Alabama. It's non-union, and it's people who, given the numbers down there, as likely as not, have gone to the polls and voted for people who want to make anyone who isn't cisgender, heterosexual, white, and Christian persona non grata in the state of Alabama. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. I um, mean, it's, it's, like you say, it's difficult to find the perfect you know, corporation, I think. And let me say this. When I bought my first Tesla is I guess almost four years now. I don't think Elon had had taken such a, you know, hard 
moved to the right. At least I don't recall, you know, in those days, he hadn't bought, you know, X or Twitter at that point. And I don't recall all these these stories. In fact, his homophobians, you know, that you're you know talking about, I wasn't even aware of now. But the other thing was, um, Robin, when I bought the the Tesla, there weren't a lot of other choices at that time. You know, the Chevy Bolt. I had a Chevy Bolt, but that was about it. You know, but now there are there are other choices that where you don't have to to buy a Tesla to 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 move to an EV. So that you know that's a good thing. So you know um, that was that was part of it. And, um, you know, I, I'm really sorry to hear, you know, some of these, these what you revealed about Elon, which I wasn't aware of. I just, he seems like such a contradictory person to me. I do think he cares about uh, the climate crisis. Um, and the, the population thing, let me say one thing about that. That's, that is kind of a, you know, a controversial area really in the climate you know, activism world. I don't think the IPCC talks too much about about that. Um, um, it's really more about how the resources are used than the than the than the population numbers. And you know, that's more that's more important than the actual numbers of people. But I, I mean, I agree. We have, you know, the planet can't cannot support a you know endless you know rising numbers of people. But I. I we could probably give them a little bit of slack on, on population because that is that actually is a bit a bit controversial. Um, oh, really, yeah, and and it's union, controversial going all the, the way back thing. to Malthus. Well, yeah. I mean, um, I wasn't aware that he was anti-union when I bought the, the Model Three at the you know at, the, at first, and I'm very pro-union as well. So, but I think you've got some other good choices, and I would say this, uh, Robin. To try to go full EV, if at all possible. I mean, hybrids are going to go away. You know, I mean, they, you know, um, it, it, we're, we're past, honestly, we're, we're past hybrids now. And um, they still have emissions. They're complex because, you know, they have both, they have two systems, you know, fossil fuel, an ICE engine, and an electric. So, uh, you know, they're, they're more likely to have uh, problems in my in my view. And but the the main thing they still have emissions. And and the other thing is prices are coming down on on EVs. You know, the Chevy um, is coming out with Chevy's coming out with the uh, Equinox uh, SUV, and it's going to be around thirty. And you know, if you figure in the seventy five hundred dollar tax credit, then you know it's a, Fairly affordable car, considering most people pay on installments, you know, and not cash up right. front or anything. But prices are coming down on, on EVs, and I would try to avoid hybrids if at all at all possible. Have you? you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just you curious because some, I'm, just, I'm just yeah. curious, Alan, because you you, you you do have so much experience with them. Um, have you have you done like? I mean, you live in Texas. Everywhere is a long drive. Uh, have, have, have you have you done some you know extended multi hundreds of miles drives uh, in your EV and how much of a pain is it to stop and recharge? Indeed, indeed, I have. You know, 
my son, if you remember, he was probably a baby <laughs> when you were here. He was. He's <laughs> yeah. He's in Boulder now. He's a, a junior in aerospace engineering. You know, he's a very smart kid. I'm very proud of him. But I have, you know, as a result, I've made that trip from Waco to Boulder several times. And what happens is. You know, and I imagine most DBs are, are similar, the, the, the newer models. You know, you just do voice. Um, you know, I say navigate to Boulder, Colorado. It puts the route on the screen. It puts the plots, the stops. So it, it has a route where you will have adequate range to get to the next charger, you know. Okay, and, that's uh, smart. So it's all laid out. It's all, it's, you know, very simple. And, um, it's, you know, let's say 30 minute, you know, stop. And Tesla always has a, the, the chargers in an interesting place, you know, like some kind of mega, you know, uh, station or shopping place where there's interesting, you know, things to, to do and look around. And, you know, one of them was at a, a dinosaur, um, an outdoor kind of model dinosaur, you know, uh, kind of, uh, what do you call them? You know, they look like real dinosaurs, a uh, little garden of dinosaurs. and But they always seem to be in some kind of interesting spot where 30 minutes just passes quickly. Plus, if you drive 300 miles, you know, you need to stop and take a break anyway. At least I do. Yes. I don't have a problem with, you know, a 30-minute stop. And, um, you know, for some people that, you know, are just really rabid and they want to be on the road in five minutes, yeah, maybe it is a problem, but it's not for me. And I found it very easy and very, you know, comfortable and no problem. And the, and you know, the Tesla chargers are well maintained, so you don't, you know, they always work. And you know, you just plug them in, you get billed. You don't have to do any credit cards or anything. And so their charging network is the best at this point. So. Um, uh, the answer to your question is, is no, it's been very, very easy. Well, that's, and, in, that's uh, interesting because I remember years and years ago, our dear friend, and you may remember the name, uh, our dear friend Scott in, uh, Scott in Sweden and his uh, his beloved Brigitte decided they were going to take an EV trip all over Europe, starting in Sweden. And it, uh, it was a much more complicated trip back then because they had to manually figure out where they could find a charging station. Yeah. And it, it, when was this, uh, oh, Robin? Go, oh, golly. Uh, it, had to, it, it had to be probably about around 2014, 2015. Oh, well, yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's, a, that's ancient history that's now, That's 100 it? years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, in EV land, that's a long, long time. Um, it's interesting. And, you got you you, you, know, I, you got a yeah. little correspondence from uh, Matt in San Francisco, uh, who said we have similar journeys. My first all electric car was a smart car, super fun. Range was only eighty miles. Then I did a Bolt. Loved that car. Only thing it ever needed was a headlight. Mm -hmm. The maintenance on an EV is super cheap. We now have a Tesla Model Three and a Tesla Model X. We have seven in the family. Piling everyone into one car is a big plus. We don't have the self-driving, just something I've never been interested in. I find driving enjoyable, and I would be a nervous wreck depending on a computer to drive me. That's just me. We love our Teslas. We bought them both used, so our money didn't go directly to Elon. 
For some reason, that mattered to me. He's a weird dude, and his origin story is a bunch of exaggerations and half-truths. He's no genius. He was just at the right place at the right time, and he bought his way into some great companies. Not an Elon fan, but hey, to each their own. Just creeps me out. Um, and yeah. and, and I, I, think, I think that's probably more or less where I am. Um, he, you know, he, he is an engineer, but, uh, do you remember, do you remember, uh, uh, your former Texas governor, the late great Ann Richards, who, of course, yeah, of course. who said of George W. Bush, he can't help it. He was born with a silver foot in his mouth. And then, <laughs> and then another, another, uh, another late great Texan, Molly Ivins said he was born on third thinking he hit a triple. I, uh, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, Elon. Elon's a lot like that. I mean, uh, to uh, to quote the line from Steve Martin in The Jerk, he was not born a poor black child. Uh, that's a horrible line, but it's also really funny when Steve Martin says it in the movie. Uh, he was yeah. he, he was yeah. born. You know, he, he was he was born to wealth. And the chances of the chances of doing wealthy things when one is born to wealth are far greater than the chances of doing wealthy things when one is born brokered in the Ten Commandments and poor as Job's turkey. So, you know, yeah, th- there's absolutely. there's that. And what does what does fret me, um, and and I think perhaps this most of all is his his attempt. Well, no, he didn't just attempt. He did. He intervened in American foreign policy. Which is in direct contravention to the Constitution, especially for someone who is, as we say here in the hills, not from around here. Uh, the Constitution, the Constitution places squarely within the purview of the executive branch the negotiation and execution of foreign policy. Uh, when he put up Starlink, it was a great boon. To the people of Ukraine, because it allowed them to prosecute their defense against Russia, and okay. he and he literally, at the request of Vladimir Putin, he literally turned off Starlink so that the Ukrainians could not defend themselves against the Russian Navy, and thereby prolong the war, and arguably brought on some number of statistical excess deaths. And that mm-hmm. I think and that I think is the is is the worst thing that he has done. Because I'm as anti fascist as you can be, and I recognize Russia as a fascist dictatorship, a fascist autocracy, that wants to spread into the rest of Europe. Ukraine is in fact the fight for democracy of our time. And the fact that he that, that, that he would intervene on behalf of a wealthy thug, I mean Putin Putin is just a he's he's a thug, he's a thug with manners, but he started out as a KGB agent. He rose through the ranks he robbed Germany blind as the as 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 the Soviet Union was collapsing, and that's the basis of the power that he went on to use to take control of Russia. 
And so, as as uh, the line goes in, uh, I think Godfather Two, he wets his beak with every transaction, and his goal is the complete subjugation of all the states of the former Soviet Union, whether it be Poland, Lithuania, Estonia, Latvia, Ukraine, and and the ones that he already has under his sway. And that's deeply disturbing for me. And for all, I mean, I make my jokes about his dick rockets, uh, but for all, you know, for all that I, for all that I joke, one wonders because he's got a he's got a profound libertarian streak, and he yes. worries yes. me with that because that means that under principles of libertarianism, uh, loyalty, patriotism. Uh, even opposing fascism is entirely subject to who is the highest bidder, and the the the, uh, the the Ukraine episode, I think, showed that in stark relief. Well, that's horrible, Rob. And I was not aware of that about turning the, the Starlink off. And um, you know, I, I'm glad to learn that you know, for me. That is, I. I agree. That's horrendous. And, you know, I'm not really here to defend um, Musk, you know, on his political, you know, uh, stands or any of that because he's pretty horrible. It's homophobia and all of that. Um, I I do think that Tesla is a good product. And, you know, like I said, all goes back to the, you know, George Washington wasn't perfect. Lincoln wasn't perfect and and, and all that. But I I wanted to say something, you know, on, on foreign policy. You might be interested to know, because I know you've talked about um, the horrible, you know, slaughter of the Palestinian people. You know, we've focused mostly on on climate, but, you know, we felt we just could not uh, keep silent anymore. And this past Saturday, we had a, a, a street, you know, protest in Waco. Um, it's like the busiest intersection here. We had a, you know, I made a 15-foot banner that said, um, uh, Gaza, um, uh, uh, what do you call it when you end the fighting? Um, ceasefire. Watching the word, you know, uh, ceasefire. Yeah, Gaza ceasefire now. And we had, you know, uh, like 15 people showed up. We had um, our organization, another organization. We had three uh, Baylor professors show up. And you know, you, you know, you recall how conservative this town is. So three, uh, 15 people here is, you know, like a couple of thousand in Austin, you know, or 10,000 in Austin. So I was really, really pleased with the results. And, you know, also here, it's all just pro-Israel, you know, considering the, you know, very, you know, right-wing, right, right-wing Christian people in this town. And so nobody is speaking up for the, what's happening to the Palestinian people. So we, we did that. And, you know, it's not, I, I would call it um, climate adjacent, you know, as, as the kids say, you know, you know, because I mean, obviously the military is a huge source of greenhouse gases and wars just devastate the environment with, you know, particulates, uh, you know, pollution of air and oh god, the 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 yeah, the smoke so. rising over over Gaza, uh, just like the smoke that rose over Fallujah. 
see, I, 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 there's a lot of there's a lot about Gaza and uh, that that has eerie echoes of the horrors we perpetrated 20 years ago, Alan. It feels it feels like just it feels like a different theater in the same ongoing endless war. Yeah. And as I have said a, a, a number of times here, and by the way, going all the way back, there was a time on this program when when I thought Elon Musk was the future because he had not done all of these things that he has done with his lurch to the right. But yeah. but wealthy, yeah. you know, extremely wealthy people tend to do things without regard to what anyone else thinks. It's worth remembering that Henry Ford was actively involved in trying to suppress the United Auto Workers, uh, was the publisher of the Dearborn Independent, the most radically anti-Semitic publication in the entire United States, and was happy to do business with the Third Reich. Because yeah, it is what it is. But um, oh, uh, what what I've said in the past is that, and maybe it resonates with some, and some it doesn't. But as someone who has been involved in the in 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 the in the environmental and human rights struggle that I've been involved in here, and you know about it, if you go into places like Whitesville, West Virginia. If you go into Wyoming County or God knows Welch and McDowell County, you see a degree of poverty and hopelessness there that has a lot more in common with Gaza City and with Gaza in full than it does with Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv is modern and 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 um, open to a certain extent, uh, metropolitan. Gaza is the world's largest open-air concentration camp, refugee camp. And to a certain extent, you know, we talk about we talk about uh, Central Appalachia being the sacrifice zone, and it is. I mean. <laughs> We we've even we've even got the tunnels pre-flooded uh, because they you know they're old mine shafts and they're full of water, but we're 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 and and we've got we've got young people. the The biggest difference is that young people here can flee. Young people in Gaza cannot. Right. And that and, and, and now is is mountaintop removal still happening? Um? Oh God, yes. Robin, I know when you were in Waco, that was your you know main topic that you spoke about. Is is it is it improved or you know is it decreased any or with the kind of collapse of coal well, in general or coal, what's the status uh, now? Yeah, coal, mean, coal did not collapse. You know, one of the one of the it turned no. out it turned out to be that one of the biggest things that we had to uh, fight against was the messaging that came out during the Barack Obama administration that. Uh, that it was over, and major green organizations were saying it's over, and anybody who lived near one of these sites knew that it wasn't. But we just decided, and yeah. and so uh, certainly no regulation did anything to the coal industry. What what hurt the coal industry, Alan, mm-hmm. was frac gas, which you know is no better than not. 
it's a distinction without a difference to say that it's better than burning coal. But we're still yeah. we're still blowing it's up cheaper. mountains. I can you know, uh, it's it's not unusual for me long about four o'clock every afternoon to hear a distant humongous rumble as another piece of mountain gets blown to kingdom come. And of course, the vast majority of electricity in West Virginia, clean coal fried electricity, you know, uh, is generated by coal from mountaintop removal operations. Some of it still goes it uh, gets on boats and goes around the world to China to the to the steel mills there. Uh, but it's still very much a part of our lives. And the, in fact, right now, a Coal River Mountain Watch, uh, Coal River Mountain Watch is actively engaged in a in a fight with an outfit called uh, Lexington Coal Company because they've made an absolute mess. And are in just brazen violation of all their permits. And so Coal River Mountain Watch has made a humongous stink about it and made a very compelling case for not renewing their permits. But, of course, we're talking about the West Virginia Department of Environmental Protection, who is a wholly owned subsidiary of the coal industry. And we go, ah, do it. Go ahead. Whatever. Uh, it, no, it's it's still very much a pernicious and going concern. Robin, I think the reason, you know, you do hear the statement about the, you know, end of coal is probably because a large number of the coal, coal-fired power plants have been shut down. You know, that end of it, you know, the production of electricity uh, from coal has, um, at least a number of plants has markedly decreased. Now, you know, I understand that there's still a lot of, you know, Need for coal or use use for coal in other places. So it sounds like y'all are still, you know, it's just as horrible. But that that's I think maybe the the reason, you know, it, it, we it may ha- have a misconception that you know the 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 actual mining or the the mountaintop removal part that might have improved, but it's because of the the closing of of the power plants, you know. Right, and that and and on a national basis, that is absolutely true. On a global basis. It's not as true. The, uh, the the hunger for the hunger for coal yeah. uh, persists almost unabated, and that's yeah. and and you know I remember sitting on a plane a long time ago and hearing a coal broker sitting on the we were headed for Atlanta. It's just a little forty five minute hop, and he said, "I don't care how many I don't care how many laws they pass in the Congress about coal. As long as I can put it on a train and it gets and it gets to New Orleans and it gets on a boat and it goes to China, I'm still making money." I mean, I've I've been on I've been on planes with mining engineers from Australia who were coming here to learn about mountaintop removal and how to blow parts of the Australian landscape to kingdom come. They do it in Colombia. People have been murdered for it. And in point of fact, we were talking about self-driving vehicles, Alan. Uh, in Australia, they've got the real deal. They have the, the the massive the massive trucks that carry the coal out of the open pit mines in New South Wales are I have read driverless or they're remote operated the way we do you know drones when we're hellfire missiling a wedding when you know when we're hellfire missiling weddings in Afghanistan 
It's just some pimply-faced kid yeah. sitting, in a, sitting in an air-conditioned trailer somewhere with a joystick. And so we're, it, it's not yeah. truly self-driving, but it's at the very least remote driving. So, but I, I am I am so I'm so glad you called in, and I am so proud that yeah. you've you've con, you've you've continued to press and be a presence uh, on 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 climate issues in a place that is well they're not you know they're not they're, they're not carrying pitchforks and torches to Shay Allen yet, but. It's a hostile environment, and it, it, it takes it takes a lot of courage. It is. It is hostile, but you know we're still there. We're we're there at uh, almost every city council meeting. We've added that to our um, menu, and you know when they do something that's anti climate, we're right there to to talk about it. So we're 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 doing everything we can, you know, in our little way here, and. Um, Thanks for for your time, uh, Robin. I I really enjoyed you know talking to you after all these years, and uh, you know, appreciate you know you giving me uh, opportunity to talk about some of these things. And um, you know, congratulations on your show. I know its longevity is amazing, and you know I I've always been you know really impressed with the number of hours you can you can do this every night and. So I congratulate you on what you're doing here. And I always learn something when I'm able to listen. So, um, you know, thanks for, well, thank for you. being thank here, for having your show. And it was, it was enjoyable talking to you. Oh, it was, it was, it was absolutely a joy, Alan. And the next time you're passing by that little truck stop in West, stop in and get a Kolachki for me. <laughs> I live, Will do. I live, okay, by, I live vicarious. <laughs> I live vicariously through this community. Alan, have a wonderful evening and happy holidays to you. All right. Thank you. Uh-huh. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye. That's our buddy, Dr. Allen. And what a, what a, what a delight. Uh, we haven't talked in a decade. And Ron and Raleigh, I am so doggone glad to hear from you. Been worrying about you all summer, doggone it. Uh, Ron said, no, he's not. Elon Musk has a degree in economics and physics. All this praise for his intelligence is self-aggrandizing bullshit, as he said to the uh, as he said to the advertisers. Fuck you, Elon. Fuck you, Elon. Uh, something has happened to him, and I really, uh, like I said, talking to Doctor uh, Allen, I think I think the dissolution of that marriage broke him. Um. Let's see, uh, Brendan, with a note, a little overtime broadcasting this evening. Uh, Brendan says, uh, for all the wealth he was born into, he's actually created very little. As much as he's able to fund the ideas and concepts of others, he's a miserable, narcissistic, borderline personality sowing misery at his Dickensian work sites. And I think Dickensian is a good word because the 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 description, not just at Tesla, but primarily Tesla, but now more is coming out about uh, what it's like to work at SpaceX, and God knows the horde of people running for their lives from what was once known as Twitter are testament to his management style, if that's even an applicable term. Uh, (laughs) Hey, Todd. Uh, Jack Daniels. 
Please don't tell Brian Kilmeade about the origins of Jack Daniels whiskey. I don't think Brian takes my calls, Todd, so not a lot of risk there. Uh, yes, Toyota's taken over the EV and hybrid market. Musk has damaged goods. It's affected his Midas touch. Get a gas hybrid. Stay well. I don't think I'm going to be getting anything anytime soon, quite honestly. Um, yeah, the, the little 2016 Ford Fusion that replaced the Mazda CX-9 that replaced the rusty red pickup truck. That was a lot of dominoes. Not pizza. Falling. Um, it's coming up on 120,000 miles, and I've just got my fingers crossed that there's another 120,000 in it. Um, nothing is absolute, Darlene says. So I cast my vote for Patagonia as a near-perfect, perfect corporation that recently grew up or evolved into a nonprofit. I like to think. And that's all because of the founder of Patagonia's mission, vision. I love Patagonia goods. They're pricey, but they last. I need them to expand their women's sizes a little bit. Or maybe I just need to keep trying to lose weight. Height's a thing, too, though. Um, but I've still, I've, still got, I've still got a few pieces of Patagonia from the before time because I simply can't stand to get rid of it. It hangs on me like a tent, but it'll have to it'll have to do and it's still pretty cute um, I'm not sure Darlene I'm not sure about the owner face owner of the North Face uh, they seem to have a decent corporate footprint I could be wrong but most of these yeah most of these outdoor adventure wear companies have at least something resembling a corporate conscience although how much of that is greenwashing one never knows I feel confident that it's not the case with Patagonia because they put their money where their mouth is. Um, well, how sweet, Jude. Jude said, as always amazes me, the confidence and coherent dialogue your callers house when engaging with you, dear Robin. Welcome back, Alan. Welcome back, indeed. Alan is an amazing man. Thank you, Ralphs, for helping out with, uh, uh, with fundraising this evening. We are now down to... 14:20. So I guess closing the program that'll mean we are at 17:20 tomorrow, and we'll just try to chip away as best we can. Thanks everybody. Thanks to our Patreon and PayPal subscribers. Thanks. Um, and and wave. I'm sorry you didn't get in, my friend. Um, another evening, perhaps. I hope. Thanks to our Patreon and PayPal subscribers. Thanks to our a la carte contributors. Thanks to uh, our challenge makers. And our and, and, and each and every one of you who shares your precious finite time engaging in the program in whatever manner you so choose. Thanks to our all-volunteer staff. Thank you, Roger, in the chat room. Thank you. To our news ninjas, thank you, Brother Deacon Asa, head on dot live. Remember, please like each episode of the podcast. Leave a comment here and there. It takes almost no time, and it helps people see that this program exists. 
for these low, almost 20 years that we've been here. Kind of wish there was some way to pull together just a whole bunch of little clips just for a 20th anniversary show on February 4th. Wouldn't that be wild? Some of the greatest hits. Reverbo, Sandra, Darlene, Mr. Stress, Scott, Maura. So many, so many voices. And by the way, I mentioned Reverbo. Reverbo said in regard to the uh, babblings of um, Stevie Three Shirts walking free after being convicted of contempt of Congress. I know I'd feel proud, secure, and free knowing that my fellow citizens are taught from a very early age that the appropriate response to any of life's conflicts is deadly force. There we go. So, thank you, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks to the hardest working, bravest people I know. Mentioned them a little bit ago. The folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. Pop by, see what they're doing. The Lexington, Lexington Coal Company uh, account is up there, and you can read about it. You can follow Coal River Mountain Watch on Facebook as well. Um, 20-plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and, an environment, and environmental justice in a proud union shop. Uh, Stephen New York notes, REI, I'm pretty sure they're deep in some union busting. Oh, I was hoping you were going to say, oh, I hate that. Uh, Darlene in Connecticut says, I have to buy men's sizes with Patagonia. I'm 5'6 and large bone. The women's sizes are way too petite. They are that. Um, it's it's more it's more the I mean a men's XL and a women's 2X that's kind of where I live because of my big old linebacker shoulders can't be helped but yeah the, the struggle is real Darlene please stay safe everybody get your boosters I got mine drink your Gatorade take your ibuprofen hydrate 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 probably won't have any ill effect I'm, I'm, I'm a Pfizer girl, by the way, in case anybody's wondering. Wear your mask when you're around large groups, especially if there are maggots in it. They tend to spread disease. And that's not any kind of a slur. It's just a reality. They don't want to take their, take their medicine. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Use your hand sanitizer. Carry it with you, pocket or purse. Maintain your social distance as best you can, especially during these massively indoor, cold-weather months here in the Northern Hemisphere. In the Southern Hemisphere, happy on, uh, onset of summer, y'all. I was talking with a friend earlier today, and he said something about, one of these days it would be fun to spend Christmas somewhere that's actually warm. And I said, my birthday would be really... Now, I've never had a warm birthday. A little Aquarius would enjoy that, too. And um, 
Well, if you know who comes burbling and galumphing and, hang, and, and and trying not to fall on his face down a slope of a sidewalk talking about, they, they, they can't tell me off about it. Those fascist Democrats. Well, you know the drill. Avoid nitwit Nero like the plague. Because he is. And always, 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 Gina, it's all for you. Lighter. Love you, Wayne.